This is a Fubar Radio podcast. If you need any more information, head to fubarradio.com. Nick Helm and Nathaniel Metcalf's fan club on Fubar Radio. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we're back. We're back. My headphones are very loud, Nick. Are yours? Uh, uh, oh, I've, I've cranked the volume up <laughs> to max. I've cranked it up to uh, to eleven. Uh, that's what they say, isn't it? It's but probably good, isn't it? It's probably quite. Uh, it's it's rock and roll. Play at maximum volume. Play. Oh yeah. Uh, if you are listening at home. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're supposed to be playing this at maximum this volume. This should be at maximum. That's much better. Thank you. Be at Thank maximum you, Nathan. volume. It's yeah. a bit max. Max vol is what I call it. That's what I call a man called Mac. No, not man. Oh, man. Oh. It's two hours to fill. We've, We've got two hours. We've, We've got two hours. It's in two hours. This is going to be twice as long. Tw- twice as grueling <laughs> as usual. <laughs> if um, you like it usually, this is going to be twice as shambolic. More, more time to fill? Uh, more time to fill. Uh, uh, less life to kill. Yes. Uh, that's my little phrase, uh, because by the end of it, you will be two hours closer to the grave. Uh, <laughs> and we might kill ourselves. Although, if you're listening to it on iTunes, uh, they take out all the songs, so it's only really 15 minutes of content. Depends. So it's often, fine. often we don't play many songs. <laughs> no, I know, but, um, but we might do. This is the most like an actual radio Yeah, it is. It feels, quite, it feels quite... Uh, but don't talk over me, uh, but um, <laughs> I, I, I do enjoy your company. Um, so, um, uh, we're a minute in to uh, the marathon. Uh, now I know how Mark Watson feels. Uh, we've got so much, so much to, so much time to fill. <clears throat> oh, I got a bit of a frog in my throat. <laughs> so have I. This is this is not handy. Oh, what I was saying to you earlier. Hey, wait a minute. What? Um, oh, oh, yeah. So uh, who are we? You are listening to Nick and Nat's fan club. club. Uh, my name is Nick, and um, my name is Nat. Uh, <laughs> and this is Fan Club. Together we are Fan Club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah but, 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 the first rule of the fan club uh, t- t- Tell all your friends about friends fan club it's, like, it's the first time we've done this yeah. uh, Second rule of fan club is For the love of your God Whoever he or she might be How have we got left? Um, we've got uh, oh, an hour and 58 minutes oh, to go Jesus Christ uh, So it's good um, 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 But what I was saying to you uh, before was uh, see, what, This is what, exactly why we shouldn't talk to each other before we go on No, because you just basically do another uh, you, you, There's probably another 40 minutes a show that we, that you, that we, talk we, about, we just we, talk about we burn we before burn it. it but then it looks Content. Re- it's really odd you know just sort of like uh, meeting up and then just like yeah. <laughs> save it for the show Matt. save it for the show but um, what I was saying was that um, uh, the first time you do anything is really you think that that's um, um, the first time we did uh, an hour we thought I don't know how we're going to fill an hour it. and then before long we were skipping songs and you know, we almost missed the game at least twice. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, uh, and, and then you realise actually we can fill it out. So this is the first time we're going to fill two hours. I said it was like um, I said it was like going to the gym, but that's just me talking about the gym. That's me saying that I've been to the gym. I went to the gym this morning. Did you? What do you do at the gym? Uh, today was uh, upper body. It was. Uh, it was. So it's weights and that is it. Oh yes. Do you find the gym? I find it an intimidating place. I, I have a personal trainer. Who I met, I told you this. Oh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, the, the week, this, yeah. The I, I accidentally did a, um, a corporate video, <laughs> and uh, I thought I was just making a short film, and I met this guy. And I wouldn't do it if it wasn't for that, uh, if it wasn't for the fact that I'm in an empty gym with one guy who's just telling me to push harder. Uh, I think that might help. <laughs> Maybe that's what I need. I think that, but that's, that's how I get through it. 
But I mean, if it's a case, but uh, do you know what I mean? If it's you walked the, in and you didn't have a trainer, you just had all the stuff in front of you. Would you be there for like ten minutes and then leave? Would um, you be like, oh, I've done that? Well, That's it, I'll do. no, I don't know. I think I'd probably do the time. But what I'm more, uh, what I'm more intimidated about is uh, other people in the gym judging me. So um, I was bullied mercilessly at school uh, when I was doing uh, for doing PE and stuff like that, and the, that put me off. Uh, that put me off doing any sports. Like I won't, I won't go swimming in just my trunks, and uh, and so I haven't been swimming for like oh, I would say maybe twenty years. I just, I just, I, I find my personal appearance physically uh, disgusting i'm disgusted with myself uh, and looking I've, I've probably got some form of body dysmorphia right <laughs> so i look in the mirror and uh, and i don't like what i see and so then uh, I, I don't go to the gym and i don't go to the swimming bath and i don't do anything like that and um and then you just realize what you're doing is you're probably you're, you're making yourself at least unhealthier and uh, at worst you're shortening your life just because of what some people said you know 30 years ago yeah so, and is it like that at the gym? Is everyone there when you see them? Are they all? I tell you what, fucking good-looking people who are all very yeah. Uh, because because uh, so what happened today? Well, I had to tell him today because what happens? What happened today was I got there. We do an hour. I get there on time. Uh, he's always there on time. Uh, and uh, I get there. Oh, he listens to the show. he started listening to the show. So he stopped asking me about. <laughs> uh, hello, Kenny. Um, he starts. He stopped asking me about. Um, what my life is up to because he just gets all of that hit on the uh, on the on the so you just podcast. sit in silence now <laughs> yeah just me <laughs> doing push-ups uh, but um but uh so what happened today was uh we were it, I, we started at eight and then it got to eight fifty nine, and people were like banging on the door they start banging on the door from like five two because they're oh so you have like a private room to do it in as well yeah but then it's booked for the next slot so there's a whole sort of like i don't know power aerobics class that are waiting to get in and they're all beautiful people and they're just banging on the door like uh, like night of the living dead which we're going to talk about later <laughs> but um <clears throat> but they keep banging on the door and they're like uh they go, oh. and i'm just there going well they're gonna come in they're gonna come in you know and uh, and then uh we got to like 10 o'clock and I was like right we're finished we've got to finish and he, and I had to finish off my stretches but I was just like we, we, yeah we can't overrun because there's like literally 20 people outside that are waiting to come in and then when we go out it's like he, like my trainer was the one that was pushing me to finish off everything I was the one that was like going and I and I like I like the session but it's just like we've done the hour it's, you know there's 20 people and then it's like a parade of shame where the door co- opens <laughs> Kenny this seven foot tall kind of Adonis he sort of like walks out hi Kenny, uh, he, w- hi, Kenny. <laughs> he, uh, he walks out in, uh, of, of the door and then like uh, 10 seconds later this fat sweaty mess sort of like emerges just like absolutely like his hair all matted to his face <laughs> and i'm just like all right <laughs> and does uh, anyone ever go oh i loved you an uncle <laughs> no but he, i do get I, no because i would never assume that people would, would um had heard of me but um but i do think that they think that it's a bit weird that i just have like a room to myself but i wouldn't do it but it's also sort of like i need to get into a certain amount yeah, yeah, yeah. i need to get into a certain amount of shape before i can actually start exercising in public yes yeah do you know what i mean okay so you need to do like 3 years at the gym before you can just go to the gym and just like have enough yeah. i don't have, know if this makes me wanna be more likely to go maybe I i'll just die early I mean that's the easier this option. Is the easier <laughs> option. It's not so much the dying early; it's um, it's the it's the quality of life towards the end. Sure. 
So I would just go, I just do it. Yeah, I run I a bit, but I never know if it does anything. For mental health, I think it's, it's as good a thing as any. It's the, I mean, I wrote a film about it. It was on the exercise. It was, uh, yeah, I wrote my boxing film about it. But it is literally when you, I'm not boxing at the moment because I hurt my leg. But, um, but uh, uh, it is sort of like the one hour a week where you just switch off and you can just concentrate on yourself. Like not one hour a week. I go three times a week. But, um, but you can do one hour a week. You can do two hours a week. You can do. 12 hours just, a week just something is good yeah, right? yeah even if it's a case of like walking for an hour um but uh yeah it's the one hour where you're literally it's fucking it's, it's like doing a two-hour radio show for the yeah. first time right but now the first hour is health and fitness every week we've been did they know this the, the, that's <laughs> what we're doing on fan club yeah so now health and fitness for no, health and fitness 12 and one but, and then um, fan club at one uh, but I think that uh, but you, you, you do the, you do you, you, the first time you do it he tells you to do something and you think it's impossible and then uh, and then you go I can't do it there's absolutely no way I can do it and then you do it and then the second time you do it you go oh it is possible and I, I've, done, I've done it and then every, the first time you do it is always the hardest and do you still find it difficult to get up in the morning and go down there? Never found it difficult to get up in the morning. That is a myth that um, I don't mind perpetuating. <laughs> but I mean, I, when you're filming, when you when you're doing like a sitcom or something like that, you're getting up at five thirty every day, and then you're going in and you're in makeup at seven, and then you know what I mean. They're long days, and so uh, you know, I, I'll tweet in the morning, and people say, "You're right. oh, what are you doing up?" And he's like, I'm, "I'm doing my job. This is my job." I, yeah. Well, I'm not Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> I mean, that looks that looks like a. He fucking... gets up before he goes to bed. He gets up at two, <laughs> two in the morning, doesn't he? He gets up at two. He goes to bed at three. <laughs> for the night before. Yeah. I mean, you can kind of work out what I tried to say. Anyway, um, uh, so anyway, so uh, two hour slot. If it doesn't work, we won't do it again. <laughs> Mark Wahlberg has like, but he, he still plays golf, doesn't he? For like three hours. Oh, no, there's one of them has an hour and a half that was a shower. Um, Mark Wahlberg <laughs> plays golf for half an hour every day. Oh, half an hour. That's and right. You just like go. Well, what the, what's the fucking point in that? <laughs> what is the point in that? When does he make the films? That's what I want to know. How's he fit it in? It's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> oh, anyway, um, it, but that's the price, isn't it? Uh, to be as famous as Mark Wahl- Wahlberg, uh, you, you need to have a joyless life. Yeah. Um, so it's Here great to be on food. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is this is the best bit. So is it worth is it worth telling them about? No, we don't need to tell them. Do we? Don't ever do that before. We'll tell them what? What's coming on the show? No, anything? we don't. What are you overthinking it? What, We're I overthinking it. So what have you been up to this week? I was on holiday a lot this week. I was with uh, my parents in the Lake District, the pretty mm. Lake District in Cumbria. So I haven't done much other than, uh, you know, the sort of the culture I've consumed in the last week has been I watched a couple of old minders on ITV4 when I was waiting for people to... The show. The show, Minder. Right, not just... <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, I've not really seen any films. Have I seen any culture? Have I consumed anything? Um, oh, geez, you knew the show was coming up, right? <laughs> it's every week. Well, it's one that's two hours, so I thought I mean, I'd luckily, specifically not... Luckily for you, I've been to the fucking gym today. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, what we, no, we could talk about all kinds of things. I'll yeah. tell you what I watched the other week on um, Netflix. I watched that documentary that's about the He-Man and the Master Universe toys. Oh, I watched that, yeah. It's a fun... It's a weird thing in it, because it feels like there is too much. Um, Natalie's telling me what I've seen... 
but this is actually <laughs> if you've listened to the show before natalie uh i ask nat what he's been up to he tells me and then i pretend to listen and then i tell him what i've been up to so uh as you were uh nathaniel uh, i watched that, that documentary about he-man toys and it was and it feels like when you're watching it, you go, this is too much information about him. Do you know I what I mean? It. it feels like... I loved it. Oh, really? Yeah. Do you get it from beginning to... And it feels like they're taking it far too seriously. Well, I think it's either you or someone else, but every so often you'll post like a page out of the Argos catalogue. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, and I, I fucking... I used to love the Argos catalogue. Oh, me catalog. too. Me too. I, was, I mean, I could spend hours pouring over the Argos catalogue. And the worst thing is that as an adult, when that doesn't even exist anymore, you kind of get the same thrill... Of seen, someone posting the right, yeah. little pictures and going, um, oh, but, it was only three ninety nine. Uh, but I never had any. Um, oh, I did. That's not true. I had um, I had a couple of He Man toys, but we had a mate down the road who had all the He Man toys, and um, and that happened twice actually. Then I moved, and then I had some of the Ghostbuster toys, and oh, then yeah. I had a mate over the road that had all the. And I was saving up for weeks and weeks to get an Ecto one, and uh, he just came around and his his, his mum had bought him one. And I was like, "That's not fair." <laughs> you knew that I was saving up for that, but like, but the toys, the nostalgia for toys and stuff, I, I really love. But I did think that it was a great documentary. Um, what I especially loved was Dolph Lundgren. Me too. That was the stuff I found. Re- I could add a whole film about the film. And what I really loved was uh, how much Frank Langella loves play, loved playing. Oh Skeletor. yeah, he said it's his favourite part that he'd ever played. Yeah, you know, you would think in- now, like thirty years later, Frank Langella gets called up. He's done. Frost Nixon or whatever, and they go, oh, we're making a documentary about He-Man. Uh, I, I mean, uh, it's a film you made. Um, and he's like, yes, please, I'll be there. <laughs> can't wait, can't wait. Of course, wait. the role of Skeletor. <laughs> but it is Skeletor, like that. Uh, from uh, Eternia. But it is funny. Who that lived in Castle Grayskull. I remember it well. Uh, no, but he treated it like it was like really a Shakespearean did. role. He yeah. fucking, he loved it. And, um, when yeah. he did the makeup, I, I said, I need to have my eyes visible and I need to have my face so I can I can show them I don't want to wear a mask and cover up my face because I want to be Skeletor because I never thought about it before but when you actually watch Skeletor in Masters of the Universe a flawed film but mm. one that I have fond memories of um, uh, you, he has teeth doesn't yes, he yeah so it's like he's got lips and teeth, although his face is bone. Yeah. That was a film where um, it was weird because we, like, my dad took me to see it. I bought the Michael Jackson Mega Mix tape from our price, and then we went down the road, and I guess it was the Holloway Odeon, mm-hmm. and he took me to see Master of the Universe. And, um, uh, and we went in before the end of the f- previous showing. Oh, yeah. I don't know either. I mean, they, they had like proper showings, didn't they, back then? Yeah. Like Psycho was the, yeah, one, that was, was the one that introduced that you're not allowed to go in early or late. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got to sort of... But Holloway Rodeon had very lax... I guess uh, they did, because we <laughs> went in and we saw the end of the credits and Skeletor comes out of... The, spoiler alert. Skeletor comes out of the uh, <laughs> bottom of the bottomless pit that he falls down. <laughs> and uh, he, he comes out of the... Uh, he comes out of the, the pool of dirty water <laughs> that he's falling into. <laughs> and he goes, I'll be back. <laughs> and he, he never be, was. Though. He never he was. It's like Ming the Merciless. Uh, <laughs> the end. Dot dot dot. Question mark. It is the yeah, end. It is yeah, the end. Yeah. Flash. Yeah, it is. <laughs> that's it's the end. Not coming back. It's the end for you. Um, <laughs> but uh, so so yeah, and that scared me so much. I, I, I always say I was a really squeamish child, right? It scared me so much that uh, Skeletor jumping out of the pool at the bottom that um, 
that uh, we watched the whole film and uh, the credits were going on and my dad said, well, you know, do you want to stick around and watch the end of the film again? And I was just like, no, nah, no, nah, it's cool. Oh, I've seen it. No, I've seen that. Yeah, oh, a bit tired, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I was just trying to really style it out, but I was absolutely oh. shitting myself. I, was like, I don't want to see that again, Daddy. Um, also, it'd be interesting to talk to Frank Langella about who was the character of Skeletor he was talking to at that point. Sure, right. What was he thinking? What was Skeletor's motivation for saying, I'll be back coming out of a dirty pool? <laughs> who was he doing it to? Yeah. Was yeah. he not going, oh, I didn't die? Straight down the bazaar it was, <laughs> right, down the, right down the barrel of the lens he was. And uh, well, Yeah, so I really love Frank, I love how much Frank Nancello loves it. I loved all the intricacies, because I. Mm. It's very, cause there's another show which isn't as good called uh, how, um, The Toys... That we oh, with. I haven't seen those. I don't think it's a great show. And they did Masters of the Universe. And I thought, well, what can this documentary actually add to that documentary? And uh, loads. And I always knew that there was a Conan the Barbarian yes, yeah, yeah. connection. But they completely they, they completely missed that in the uh, toys that oh, we I think that's one with. of the interesting things about it, I think it, it's right? really great that He-Man basically came up with, uh, oh, we've made all these toys that we can't sell to kids. How do we do it? We just change the heads. Yeah, yeah, all yeah. The bodies are, all the bodies are on a Schwarzenegger bodies. We just changed all the heads and then yeah, it yeah. became like this thing. And that's why there's loads of snakes and Snake Mountain and stuff like that, I imagine. Cause, yeah, um, yeah, of course, because that would have been in there. Uh, but um, what I really, really especially love, I always love watching document uh, interviews with Dolph Lundgren because he's such a he's he's such a lovely man well he seems he comes across incredibly well he's so articulate as yeah. well and it's weird because um, he, it's a skill that just never really shines through in any of his films where you go you never guess who's really great and articulate yeah. and clever and all that stuff Dolph Lundgren and he can barely put a sentence together when you watch him <laughs> yes, in a yeah. film um, and and uh, uh, yeah, I mean, he's like a rocket scientist, isn't he? Oh, yeah, I think he has been. He's, um, he's, he's, like, he's a certified... Is he a member of Mensa? He can do, or he can do like, five martial arts. He can drum. He, he directs and writes films now. He did a film, actually, called Command Performance, which is Die Hard at a Gig. Oh, where, really? Where he plays the drummer, and he goes out for a spliff, uh, passes out in the <laughs> toilets, and when he comes to, uh, there's been a terrorist attack. When did this happen? When did this come out? He wrote it, directed it, and starred in it, and plays the drums in it. And is it good? No. OK. <laughs> no, it's terrible. That's why I, I like my Dolph Lundgren bits uh, in, in, a, in an interview. Yeah, yeah. He's just great in interviews. And there's also that amazing clip of him. Uh, at, uh, it's kind of like a, a telethon. I guess, it's, um, I guess it's like a Danish telethon where he comes out and he sings a little less conversation. With, I've not seen this. Not, oh, my God. Oh, you've got to see it. We um, should stop the show now so and watch it. Every, every, everybody, stop what you're doing. Pause the show and watch. Uh, that's Dolph, what we're going to do. We're going to go Lundgren, off and a little less conversation. I f- oh, I that sounds well up my street. He sings a little less conversation, and then uh, and, and then he plays the drums, and then he does his stunt routine, uh, and there's dancing girls and fireworks and everything, and then uh, at the end of it, he comes back and finishes the song. I, I nicked it for uh, the beginning of Heavy Entertainment, <laughs> my pilot for Heavy Entertainment, because I just thought it's my favourite. That I've ever seen, so we just like we tried to recreate it. But um, oh my god, yeah, Dolph Lundgren. I mean, I, I think out of all of them, he's probably the one that's got the most heart. Yeah, I, he's, he comes across like a really nice man, and he's also got quite 
good things to say about the film. He's got that thing where he's like, you know, it's not an amazing film. There's, but also, it looks like when it's got it's got William Stout, who's like a comic book artist who did a lot of designs for it. And when it shows you what it's what they were drawing, you're going, this looks incredible. Yeah, I guess they just couldn't achieve it, but well, it does could, look they like they it. Afford it, but yeah, they, yeah ma- there's amazing map paintings in the film, and also he was uh, he couldn't speak any English when he made it, so he yes. did it all phonetically. So I just, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a good film. Uh, and I, even when I was little, I was like, where's Battlecat? Where's Orca? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, didn't, I didn't... So even when I was little, I kind of, like, uh, was disappointed with, with what they did with He-Man. But, you know, I, there, are, there are bits in it that I quite like. And it's, it's not necessarily that I like it. It's just that I've always remembered it fondly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always remember the KFC stuff. Yes. Doesn't she work? It's not probably KFC. It's probably just like a fried chicken. A generic fried chicken restaurant. But Courtney Cox, and she gets the. Then it's got that weird. It was all a dream ending, and then. Oh yeah. It's just yeah. What's really weird is that you've got Eternia, so why not set it all in 1986, Planet Earth, in wherever it is, Denver. Where is it set? It'll be, it'll be California. It's got Mr. Strickland in it. Yes. Reprising his uh, Back to the Future role. What did he do? Just those three films? Maybe. No, but uh, he's probably one of those people that's a very respected character actor, isn't he? Like Frank, Frank Langella. Right, sure. <laughs> he's probably one of those people that's sure. been in a couple of films and then that'll be all they ever remembered for. Frank Langella. I mean, I, funnily enough, um, I didn't know he was uh, Skeletor. I was little when I saw it. And yeah. then I watched The Ninth Gate, uh, and, which is Roman Polanski, Johnny Depp film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean... You, you almost can't. <laughs> you almost can't admit to have seen it. Um, <laughs> but um, but there was a film called The Ninth Gate, and there's a bit. Spoiler alert. There's a bit towards the end. It came out in 1999. And there's a bit towards the end where. Uh, oh, hang on. Spoiler. Brilliant. Um, oh, we've nailed it. Nailed it. Uh, there was a bit in The Ninth Gate where Frank Nanchella gets set on fire, and he's and it's like because uh, he's a devil <laughs> worshipper, and he does this thing with his hand where he kind of like uh, waves his hand around his face and he kind of like rolls his head back, and I was just like, that's exactly what Skeletor does when he's <laughs> when he's becoming master of the universe at the end of Masters of the Universe, and then I googled it and I was like, fucking hell, Frank Langella, you are. I love that. That's how you recognise him. That's how I recognise him. He he's on the- fire, and you go. Is that Skeletor? Well, I love the fact that he loved Skeletor so much that he put it in other films. He, d- <laughs> yeah. he, put, he put bits of the performance in other films. I just loved it. Maybe that's a prequel, and that's how he gets all burnt up and skull-like. Oh, it's a shared universe. It's a shared universe. That's how you do it. That's how Roman you do Polanski, it, Universal. <laughs> <laughs> Roman Polanski's The Ninth Gate is in the same cinematic universe as Master of the Universe with Dolph Lundgren. Um, uh, I really liked uh, Frank Langella in Cutthroat Island as well. Oh yeah, that's a, that's a good movie. Though, I, I think. find that really weird. How much I, 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 I what I would imagine is that no one has seen Cutthroat Island. What? No one ever. I just think that it was it was like a notorious flop, though, wasn't it? It was a huge flop, but I think it cost a lot of money. Michael oh, yeah. Douglas was originally in it, and he kind of like um, uh, had loads of demands. And then Rennie Harlan came in as the director, who was Gina Davis's husband. And then it was the Gina Davis show, and uh, not the Gina Davis show. That was another show. Uh, <laughs> but then it was like. Uh, it became all about Gina Davis, and so uh, Michael Douglas left. Matthew Modine came in, and then I think it went like I think, I think they filmed in Malta, and it just went so over budget. Um, and it was pirates and pirate ships, but it was like what 1995, yeah, about 95. And like four or five years later, Pirates of the Caribbean came along, and everyone was just like, "You're not going to make fucking pirate, a pirate film. Pirate films don't sell." Um, uh, but uh, it, yeah, it's weird because I imagine that. 
Well, I don't think you could probably... Hmm, maybe at the peak of pirate stuff. I mean, they've, they've just buried it at sea, haven't they? Well uh, done. The, the whole, you couldn't make any more pirate films now, I don't think. You've, uh, but that was it. What's it you telling me? Because it notoriously, like anything that's set at sea is very expensive to film because you can only film for like... Because the daylight's so obvious. The, the daylight, the sky changes all the time. You've got so much sky and so much sea, and both of those things change all the time. Plus, you can't uh, keep the, the boat still. I mean, you just don't ever yeah. film at sea. Just never do it. Um, yeah, Cutthroat Island, what was I saying? Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, you wouldn't make one The now. most expensive film ever made. Oh, no, hang on. Uh, like The third most expensive film ever made um, is something like Pirates of the Caribbean 4. Oh wow! Like uh, uh, the one that they did after Orlando Bloom and Keira Knightley left. Yeah, that that before. I think that that was that was at the time the most expensive film ever made. Is it crazy? Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it is. But I guess at that point they can go. It's a huge franchise, right? There's one of the. um, There's quite a good sort of tell-all documentary on one of the Pirates of the Caribbean Blu-rays, which is one of those ones where I think it's when they're making the second one. They're making these two together. And it's going into production, and I think they might even have started filming it, but there's a point in it when they realise it's going to cost way more than they think it would. And they actually, in the documentary, you've got this bit where they're going, we, over the weekend, like, who, who is it? Is it Warner Brothers or whoever, whatever studio made it, have to decide whether they're going to pull the plug on it. This right. massive, massive, it's, it's big franchise. Oh, yeah, yeah. The oh, is it the first one? one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, OK, yeah. And they're having this, and you've got um, Gore Verbinski, the director's running around going are basically doing all this maths over the weekend to try and say, like, we basically need this, otherwise we're off. Like, on Monday, we just shut down production. Yeah, yeah. But it's really... I love those kind of documentaries that are... But official documentaries that are real, like, tell-all. Yeah, yeah, tell-all. And they, they like, these, are the, these, these were the problems. But, um, uh, yeah, that Pirates of the Caribbean film was kind of crazy. They wanted Johnny Depp to be, you know, like an all-American hero. Right. They wanted, basically, Errol Flynn... Uh, uh, well, not an Errol Flynn, though. What did they want? They wanted kind of... A roguish kind of... Uh, like a Han solo type thing. They wanted like a Dwayne Johnson character and then two little sidekicks. And then what they actually had was they had a romance story and then they had Keith Richards. And, yeah. and, and, and when Disney saw that, they were just like, what the fuck is he doing? <laughs> but like within Being, earshot, yeah. they, were, like, they were so furious. They go, what the fuck is he doing? He's fucking up our film. This is so expensive. And, was, and everyone had to just go, he like almost got fired and it was like, just go with it, just go with it. And then they, but it must have looked like that. You could almost see it from their perspective, right? If you were on set, you'd be like, what's he doing? Oh God, what's this? He's ruining our film. I think that, I think that first Pirates Caribbean film, his performance in that is great. And it was one, I remember him getting like an Oscar nomination for it. Yeah. He? And I remember going, that's absolutely correct, though, because he absolutely turned a film which, without him, that film would probably be really boring. It would have been considered, like, uh, I imagine, Cutthroat Island, which yeah. did have the kind of, uh, like, basically Matthew Modine looks like Errol Flynn in it. Yeah. And, um, but the thing that... <clears throat> I, I didn't really love Pirates of the Caribbean. It had walking skeletons and stuff like that, mm-hmm. like Out of Army of Darkness and Jason and the Argonauts. Yeah. And it's kind of like, that's exactly tip box. Pirates, I love... I used to dress mm-hmm. up as pirates for fancy dress parties. I love, love pirates. Uh, I liked Johnny Depp at the time. And, uh, and so, so uh, it sort of ticked all my things. Mm-hmm. And then it was just like, I didn't like it. My favourite thing about Pirates is Monkey Island. When I was growing up, did you ever play Monkey Island? No. Oh man, get you can get it for um, your uh, phone, probably for your phone. <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. Monkey Island was these um, point and click adventure games 
that were done by LucasArts and uh, they were so funny. Like they were actually like genuinely just like funny, um, funny games. That oh, were, I think I've seen this and it is like you talk to people in it, right? Yeah, you and talk they to have people little... and you have to do a sword fight but instead of the sword fight you trade insults and you've got to go around the town and uh, insult enough people so you've built up enough insults so that you know <laughs> what to say. And It's just brilliant. And the, the first one was, uh, the first Monkey Island was just like my favourite thing. Uh, and then the second Monkey Island was... Um, as good if not a little bit better but the first two were great and then they've made some ones that later where they had like um, well, there, there is good but the, I, I don't like, enjoy the animation as much but um, but back in the day like 1992 when I was playing Monkey Island the animation was so pixelated it was a bit amazing it's almost like the game that he plays in big Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like four years later. Yeah, yeah. So it was a slightly improved. They were a bit more, co- they used a few more colours. But it, they're just really, they, you're playing them, they're like puzzles, and it's really funny, and it's a story that you enjoy. It's just great. And to the point where, you know, you'd have to collect items, like a pot or a, uh, or a piece of string or something like that, and you'd have to find the items and then find combinations of how to use them. And I'd play it so much that in my normal real life, when I wasn't on the computer, I would see a pot and I'd pick the pot up and I can use that. And then I was like, I'm not, <laughs> oh, I'm not in the game. I'm not in the game. Um, we should probably play a song. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to play a song. Radio. That was uh, Bed of Nails by Alice Cooper. But what's uh, it about? It's about fucking. Right. It's about fucking. He, Thank doesn't, you. he, he doesn't. He doesn't sing it anymore. <laughs> he doesn't sing it live uh, because uh, he's a he's a he's a Christian. He's t- he's, he's That's still right. Still Christian, isn't you're it? Some fuck if you're a Christian. I hope more so. so. If anything, uh, <laughs> you probably have to. You probably have to, to procreate and things, don't you? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's weird because he did like a couple of albums in the late. Uh, mid to late 80s that were all about fucking and you just there's just this huge gap in uh, <laughs> in his uh, performance repertoire where you go he does it early Alice Cooper sure he does it later Alice Cooper sure does would he not do it he seems I don't know he seems the, only pit- one, the only one he does is Poison because yeah. he has to right because that was that such was, a massive yeah it, it, the, Poison is arguably the reason why you're at that concert yeah yeah because uh, if it had just been Schools Out he would have uh, pitted away yeah, yeah. into obscurity. and he would have been he just would have been a, a nostalgia act yeah but um, but yeah well he kind of uh, no I, I, he isn't because he still does he still I, what's really exciting I've seen so many times now that every so often he'll come on and he'll, he'll do a song and uh, uh, and um, he did a song called Freedom I think on the last tour uh, from uh, I think it was from Constrictor and um, uh <laughs> 
but these the constrictor and raise your fist and, uh, and yell are my two uh, least listened to albums uh, of his. Uh, no, that and lace and whiskey. Um, but um, yeah, uh, I'm such an I'm such a nerd when it comes to it that he'll come out and he'll do a song that's like he did clones at Alexander Palace, and I just turned around and went, "Oh, he never does this. He never <laughs> does this." And uh, everyone else that I'm with is just kind of like. We don't care. <laughs> and I just think that's actually probably the bare minimum that you would ask for a musician that you've seen 30 times. Like Give us every, one more. Give every, us a new one. Every, every, ten, every ten times you see him, he'll put in a new song. <laughs> and you go, oh, thank you. Even when he's doing like a new album, promoting a new album, he'll do like one song from the new album. Oh, really? And it'll be a real weird one as well. Like, uh, with um, uh, with uh, Welcome, to, Welcome to My Nightmare. Uh, from a couple of years ago, uh, he did caffeine from it, and he came out. He came out with a big uh, one of them JBB Sports <laughs> mugs. <laughs> like he had like an oversized mug, uh, and uh, and he sang a and full it, of blood. <laughs> no coffee, coffee, because it's, it's about caffeine. And uh, and he sang the song caffeine, and uh, you go, yeah, but that's such a weird track out of out of all of the songs. But I guess all of them were sort of telling a story, so it was it was almost like a standalone. <laughs> I love caffeine, that's a great song. Anyway. What have you been a fan of this week, Nick? Uh, well, uh, well, what have I seen this week? Yeah, what have you seen? I saw... Right, uh, okay. I saw a star... I, this. I saw a star is... I saw Bradley Cooper's... A star uh, is ...directorial born. debut, A Star Is Born. That is a, bit, a film that's been remade about six times, isn't it? Yeah, loads of times. They did it with James Mason and Judy Garland. Mm-hmm. Uh, then it was... Uh, they did it again. And then there was one with Barbara Streisand and Chris Christopherson yeah. in the seventies, and uh, and I think they remake it like every twenty years. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So, so, so you've, Star you've seen it. Yeah. Um, it was almost exactly what I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really good. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I would say I'll tell you this right. I saw Piranha Two this week. Okay. Right. Uh, James Cameron's Piranha Two: <laughs> The Flying Spawn or whatever it's called, um, and. Uh, that is a bad film. Yeah. I, and, and I think I must have seen it before. I, 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 I've seen Piranha. I don't know that I've seen Piranha 2. Piranha 2 is even more of a liftoff from Jaws where they've actually stolen the plot. Right. It's like a guy that... There's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a scientist woman that knows more than anyone else and says, uh, you've got to close down the beaches. And then there's a guy that says, are you kidding? I'm not going to close down the beaches. That's where all... And you go... I mean, that's literally just from Jaws, right? Um, and I'm watching Piranha 2, and I know it's a bad film, and yet there's, like, Lance Henriksen's in it. And oh, you that's go, nice. Oh, I love him. Yeah. And it's a really good performance, of course, because he's, like... He, for, I don't know why they don't work together anymore, but he was, like, James Cameron's lucky charm for yeah, a few yeah, films. Yeah, yeah, um, and, uh, and so, like, there's, there's elements in Piranha that I did enjoy, uh, that uh, Piranha 2, that I did enjoy, even though I know it's a bad film. Right. Now, A Star Is Born... I couldn't tell whether it was a good or a bad film, like, at all. Right, right. There is, like the way he, um, the, the way he's directed the live. Uh, it starts with the concert, mm-hmm. with, with the concert footage, and it's the best representation of what, what a live am. experience. Like is. if you did, um, if you did uh, like uh, concert videos. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, um, see, uh, so far, ACDC live at River Plate, I think, is the best uh, concert. Uh, 
uh, DVD that I've ever seen, mm -hmm. concert video that I've ever seen, because um, it makes you feel like you're actually there. With this film, because it's like a narrative thing, um, he's just... And it was produced by Live Nation, so what I imagine was they got to do was... Because it's Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga, so what I imagine they got to do was they got to... Uh, uh, Lady Gaga was doing a gig and then Bradley Cooper would come out before the gig and go, I'm just going to take a huge Making a film with Lady Gaga and not, can we film some stuff? Um, I imagine they did it officially. Well, at the beginning, <laughs> that beginning scene is shot at Glastonbury. Um, it was so oh. good. Uh, yeah, it, that, it, it, and then at Coachella. Okay, cool. Right, well, the first... Uh, the, the opening of the thing's got so much energy to it and it really captures what live performance is all about and I just thought, you know, we are in for a fucking treat. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the film is just really good. Bradley Cooper, um, as an actor, is uh, um, is fantastic. Like, I, I've never been a fan of Bradley Cooper. Right. I just ne never, I never got on board, really, after the, the Hangover films and, um, and so I was kind of like a little bit like dragging my feet to go and see it and uh and yeah i just thought he was so good in it as an actor and i think as a director yeah uh he was visually very good but i mean i've directed stuff and you do rely a lot on your mm -hmm. cinematographer yeah so um, you were watching it from that point of view going yeah right okay what's bradley cooper and what's the thing but that energy mm -hmm. and then i just think um he would have he i think bradley cooper in the edit uh, could have been a little bit kinder to Lady Gaga in a couple of places where um, I think he was in, I think that he fell in love a little bit with his leading lady and uh, there's a couple of clearly improvised bits which right. you go yikes, you know not 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 that it's, she's ever bad, she's really good in it, uh, and it's an amazing performance everyone is going to get Oscar nominated for this film really? yeah, okay, like Bradley Cooper is absolutely phenomenal in it, like like I mean, and it doesn't pain me to say it, but I'm surprised to say it. He right. Was just so, but, he, but you can't really shake the fact that he is also, he's written it and he's produced it and he's directed it and he's in it. And he really is kind of, it's the showy part. Right? Yeah. Uh, and when he's not on screen, everyone's going, oh, where's Bradley? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but it's got a fucking amazing cast. It's got uh, Andrew Dice Clay in it. Oh, uh, yeah. Who's, who, uh, who I'm, I'm really enjoying his uh, latter-day performances. Um, it's got uh, Andy Griffin in it, like in just one really uh, short shot. It's got Dave Chappelle in it. Um, uh, they're quite small parts. And Sam Elliott, um, which is weird, because the night before I'd, I'd gone down to Brighton to watch The Big Lebowski. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I just always just love Sam Elliott in that film. He's hardly in it. He's oh yeah, he's he's basically like God, isn't he? It's <laughs> like, just like, uh, well, he's like this cow. You get the impression that he that everyone's in love with the the dude, mm. you know. So like uh, Walter's in love with the dude, and uh, but he's like in a relationship with Donny, uh, and uh, uh, and then Sam Elliott turns up at the end, and he's in love with the dude, and uh, and you know. <laughs> the dude says, oh, I like your look. I like your style. You've got the whole cowboy thing going on. And he just does this whole kind of like, this, he does this little cowboy blush where he's just like, mm, I'm, oh, thank you very much. Um, and, um, yeah, so I love Sam Elliott. Um, he's, yeah, he's fucking, he's fucking good in the thing. There's just some weird shots that go on a little bit too long and you go, no, oh, yeah, I get it. There's a bit when he's reversing out the car crying. He's, he's, he's got his car and, he's, uh, and, he's, and Sam Elliott is reversing out the drive crying. And he turns over his shoulder, the, car, the camera's behind him, and he turns over his shoulder and Sam Elliott, it's got tears in his eyes and you go, oh, he's crying. 
and then uh, he t- he turns back forward, and then he turns around again, and then the second time he turns around again, is he crying? Oh, I thought he was crying, but the, the, it's rested on him for so long that I'm not actually sure what the point of the. Do you know what I mean? You got the information, and so I think that. Um, could have been a little bit tight in some places, but it's, uh, I think that everyone in the entire theatre next to me were bawling their eyes out by the Oh, really? And you go, all oh, right, I'm just... I don't think I'm a cynical person, but I think that it's a very... It's, it's a mainstream hit. OK. Whereas I spend my weeks watching Piranha 2 and going, <laughs> oh, gosh, I love... Do you think it's showy because in that way that sometimes people who are like... Because he is a director and he's, it's his directorial debut, he feels he's got to be a bit more showy than he would be if he was just trying to tell a story. This isn't just like a directorial debut. This is like a uh, militant uh, attack on the Oscars. This is like, I'm, okay. I'm gonna, we're going to get... Oh, it's got original music in it. It's going to get best song. It's going to get uh, be, uh, best cinematography. It's going to get uh, best director, best actor, best uh, f- actress. It's going to get supporting... It's going to go across the board. It's going to get everything. It might not get a screenplay, mm-hmm. but um, and it's such a familiar story, whether you've seen the originals or not. Yeah. You know exactly where it's going, you know exactly what's going to happen, um, but it just really does uh, deliver that. Andrew Dice Clay was cast over Robert De Niro, John Turturro, and John Travolta. Interesting. I think that's great, <clears> then. <throat> yeah, I think, I think that's that, the correct think, thing, isn't it? Uh, I think that if it had been Robert De Niro, who they've worked with in the past, uh, uh, yeah, if it had been in any of the others, it would have kind of totally distracted. It's the right size part for an Andrew Dice Clay, where it's showy, it's funny, he, he plays her dad, basically, and, uh, and, and, and he's great in it. But, um, but I think anyone else would have been... Uh, a mistake. Um, yeah, so I really. Yeah, what do you think I'm doing? Do you think I'm going to talk about A Star Is Born <laughs> for another fucking fifteen minutes? <laughs> fucking hell, Jesus Christ! You don't, you can't hear this at home. Uh, but uh, constantly while we're here, I'm being told that I'm doing it wrong. It's like having sex. So, um, so we've got a guest coming up now. Well, I yeah, think we've we got know. a special guest. We're about to have uh, Dana Ashbrook from who's Bobby Briggs on Twin Peaks. Bobby Briggs. Who's going to be... He's going to be down down the line, as they say, yeah. on... Uh, uh, on radio parlance. I mean, you've got us I, to I start think... introducing the part, but you've only just picked up the phone to get him <laughs> on the line. Well, I think Natalie's quite excited because she's a big fan of uh, If I was to give Dana A Ashbrook. Star Is Born uh, a rating out of five, I, I wouldn't because I don't believe in that sort of system. Yes. But would you recommend I go and see it, Nick? Do you think I'd like it? I wouldn't necessarily. I'd recommend it to my mum. Right. Okay, and my dad would like it as well because of the music side of it and all that. What kind of music is it? Is it, is it sort of? Is it? Is it? It's a game of two halves. It's very much rock music at the beginning, and then Lady Gaga takes over. Okay, okay. Um, can somebody come in here and teach me how to uh, use the? <laughs> thing? Uh, and so, if you like Lady Gaga, there is mm, there's a bit of a weak song that she does uh, on a TV appearance that she does in, okay. the, in the show, uh, and everyone reacts like it's the best song ever, and you go, ah, oh, I've missed something here. Uh, but the music, the first half of the music is really great. It's like country rock music. Yeah. But I like that when it's, there is a discrepancy between what's actually happening and what's happening on screen. When you're meant to sort of go, oh, that's an amazing song. Yeah. But it isn't. Bradley Cooper's basically playing Jesus Christ as, right. an, as an alcoholic. <laughs> uh, and it, he, he does a better job with it than, than it had any right We've to We've got be. producer Natalie in the studio now who's going to be... Uh, what, what are you doing... 
put it up right now. <laughs> that one. And it, it, hello, is that? Is that Dana? Hello. Hello. How are you? Yes, it is. Hi. How are you? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. You're over here for the Twin Peaks uh, UK Festival. Yeah, I can't wait. And, and are you in, really fun. Are you in London right now? Yeah, I'm in. Uh, I'm in Green Park, actually. Just, just, just you, sitting in the grass in the sun. It's beautiful here. You could have come in and paid us a visit. We've got you on the phone. <laughs> um. <laughs> so um and twin peaks has been a part of your life now for over 25 years oh yeah i i think the first time i, I read the pilot was like in january of 1990 uh, 1989 wow and uh does it yeah yeah does it follow you around do you feel is it like a it must be a proud association though to have kept kept it going for so long <laughs> Yeah, it's it's great. I mean, it's it was kind of uh, it was a huge shock that it came back, uh, you know, uh, that it came back after twenty five years. But um, yeah, it's always been a real sort of a pillar in my career of, of of at least something that people like. You know, what I mean, it's rare that I do stuff that people like. <laughs> <laughs> and it was it was a big shock then when it came back last year. You, it wasn't something that would oh, be yeah. sort of vaguely planned, or it was often discussed, wasn't it, as as something that might come back one day. I mean, maybe in the earlier in the earlier years, right? Like yeah. Right after the first, you know, thing, but after a while, it just kind of you know went away. And I always just went off of what David Lynch said, which was you know, uh, you know, it's deader than a doornail. I think is what he used to say. Oh, wow. So I just I just thought it was uh, you know kind of a, a thing that we put to bed, but. I guess uh, people had other other plans. If I take you back then to 1989, so when you got that first pilot script for Twin Peaks, did you, at the time, mm. did you think of it as being something that was completely new and original? Was that obvious right from the get-go? Yeah, man. It was, uh, you know, it was called the Northwest Passage at that time, and uh, the casting director... Uh, was a friend of mine that had tried to cast me in another show that she'd done so I'd been in her office many times and her son is uh, the guy that plays uh, Leo his name's Eric DeRay that oh, was wow. the casting director Joanna Ray's son yeah so he used to actually be in the office and run the sessions when we'd go in for auditions um, and so uh, you know when I went in to go meet on this this, this show called Northwest Passage uh, you know I got into the office and I talked to Eric about it and we were just talking about the script and how it was with the woman with the patch and the silent drape runners and all the stuff you know we, we were laughing about that and we thought it was amazing you know but i i'd never seen anything like it but i was so green i was just i was a new young actor at that time so i didn't really have any experience with anything so i kind of lucked into it wow and were you aware yourself of david lynch at the time and the movies he'd made um only uh only elephant man actually was the the movie that i knew that he directed was um because my mother was also an actress and in, in where i'm from in san diego she was like a sort of a local theater actress and and she did an, uh, a production of the elephant man she played the actress in it and so i knew the play really well and uh so when the movie came out you know we all went to see it because it was such an important thing in our lives and, and it just happened to be david lynch that directed it so that was where that was my that was my only knowledge of david lynch at that time i didn't know any of a razorhead or blue velvet or any of the shorts or any of that stuff so and was there when when you got the call to come back that it was going to return were you was there any doubt in your mind that you'd do it 
No, no, no. I just was hoping that it was, you know, it was. I, I would have done anything. I would have done, you know, uh, you know, start a walk by with a wave. I didn't care. I just wanted to be, <laughs> see these people again, you know. Um, so it was no hesitation whatsoever. I was just glad that they were doing it the way they were doing it, you know, that it was a continuation and not like trying to, oh, trying a to reboot or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, very much so. It exactly. feels like, um, I mean, I, it really feels to me like Twin Peaks is one of those shows that's really kind of redefined what modern television is now right it doesn't feel like you'd have things like the sopranos or mad men or right. those kind of shows without twin right, peaks right. right it really does feel like and especially for a show that would have been like a network tv show it really did change everything oh, yeah. didn't it? oh yeah i mean you know if you look at what was out there the same year that twin peaks first came out you know the shows all looked the same as they always did you know it was you know every room is lit to to the hilt, you can see every corner. There's just absolutely nothing cinematic about the way they used to shoot it. They used to shoot it, you know, five to six days, a whole episode, and just rip through television, you know. And there was no real cinematic quality to it. And I think when David, you know, came came out with Twin Peaks, you know, it was like you got to see TV as more of a cinematic sort of thing, and um, and uh, a higher quality on every every level, music lighting production design all that stuff was just the level went up yeah and um I, quite, quite frankly it became more difficult to do good television uh because you know you, you, they used to just pound it out and then after twin peaks you know everyone sort of took a little more care and realized that you could do it a, a little bit more uh, a little bit better i think, <laughs> I think. It, it ups the game doesn't it because everyone and it's quality it, there's sort of like a quality to it that i think people assumed you didn't need or people might not enjoy but it really does feel like a lot of the Twin Peaks episodes are really are like mini movies, aren't they? They're just like an hour long movie. It feels like a yeah. real sort of almost cinematic then, experience. Exactly. And they're just such so beautiful to watch. And, you know, that everything technically is pretty interesting. The sound design, all that stuff is, is, is above and beyond what normal television does, these days, you know, in, in, the, in the early days. Now, it's, you know, there's a lot. As Michael Horace would say, the, the Twin Peaks DNA is all over the shows yeah, that are out absolutely. today. And, you know, like Michael, I mean, uh, David Chase, the guy that created The Sopranos, you know, talks talks about how Twin Peaks inspired him for a lot of stuff uh, on The Sopranos. And, 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 you know, especially the dream sequence stuff that Tony Soprano had in. Oh, of course. Yeah, in, yeah. Uh, in the Sopranos, was you know he he talked about it in interviews and stuff like that. So you know that's that's flattering. I mean, I really didn't have anything to do with that because it's all David Lynch. But uh, you know, it's just flattering to be a part of something that that you know. And it does I, feel know, like that to you. That's nice that it feels um, like that to you as well, right? That you've got you feel like you're part of some sort of big phenomenon. Yeah, I mean, I'm a small cog in a very giant machine, but, you know, I, I, I just feel lucky to be involved. You know, really, my my goal on the new one was when I got it, and I, I saw the way they kind of made my character grow and change. Uh, I just wanted to make sure I didn't mess it up. <laughs> I didn't want to fuck it up. I think Bobby Briggs is a character that probably changes most from in-between series as well, right? You've got a completely different... Uh, almost even the way you act and everything about it, he really has, like, grown up, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. There's there's a scene in the second second series um, uh, where my dad tells me about a dream he had, and oh, yeah. and, and, and 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 it sort of explains that Bobby's you know going to turn out okay, and and yeah. nothing ever really came of that other than it just being a really cool scene. And then 
it sort of was proved out in the in the third series where uh, you got to kind of see how Bobby ended up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's it. it. Was, he um, does change even. Really fun. He does change even over the course of that first couple of series, though, doesn't he? You kind of do get the impression there's a lot more to him than you first get, and I guess he almost starts off as slightly more uh, sort of a two-dimensional kind of bad kid, and then you kind of get the idea yeah. of what's what he's about. Yeah, man. I mean, that's all the writing. That's all them. That's all those guys. I just try to try to just do what they they <laughs> put on the page. You know, we got we got really lucky with some people, with good writers, and you know, David and Mark, and and then all the people that wrote the series. We just were really lucky. You know, we're lucky to have those people. So they wrote cool stuff for me to do. Literally, I wish I was as cool as that. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so you you weren't anything like the character at the time then. No, God, no. I mean, other than just. Uh, you know, being a young human being, no, <laughs> I was nothing like that. Because <laughs> he's gone from like he's quite an intense character as well, isn't he? At the beginning, and it's nice. It's kind of oh, yeah. it, it's a weird thing that I think when you enjoy a series like that, how nice it is to sort of see see how he turned out. And he's like, oh, he's turned out well. You actually feel like it's almost like a, a family member yeah. or something. And I think that, <laughs> oh, that's, well, that's good. <laughs> I think that's between great. I'm glad you feel that way. Between the two series as well, it feels like it's become a real sort of saga, isn't it? So you've now got a second generation of characters and um, it feels like he sort of, in a way, David Lynch has almost like redefined TV again, right? There's really nothing else like it. When they did the return, I mean, there's still, again, he's gone in and gone, oh, now we've got lots of TV that's like Twin Peaks. So I'm going to go a step further and do something else again. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's not it's, it's a little bit harder these days to kind of shock the audience or scare the audience or, or do anything that they haven't already seen, you know. Pretty much everything's been thrown out there at this point. Uh, David doesn't, you know, watch a lot of stuff, other stuff, you know, so he doesn't get influenced by that kind of thing. Yeah. So everything that comes out of him is, is from a place of, you know, his own imagination. So, yeah, I mean, definitely there's that element to it, and and. And the fact that he did a series the way he did on the you know the new season on the return, it's uh, yeah not like anything else on television. That's for sure. You can watch it you know four or five times each episode and get something different out of it, or see some new stuff or whatever. You know, it's like a. I mean, I don't want to sound too heady or anything, but it's kind of like a piece of art where you can go and see it and then go back to it the next day and see it a different way and. You know, it's just that 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 to me is is what David is. You know, he's a painter that's making movies. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. What incredible sort of. It, and I guess, we, and I guess it's a real sort of privilege as well to work with someone like that. He's such a kind of icon as well, isn't he? Oh, unbelievable! I, that that's the luckiest thing ever is that that I got to you know somehow be involved with someone like that. Because you know, if you look at look at cinema and look at the people that are at the top of their game he's you know one of them up there and and i haven't worked with that many people that are up there on his echelon so it's, it's really thrilling for me and, and lucky for me to be able to be involved with something like that is it your first time in the uk have you been here before well i've been here many times before i love it here um i guess the, this is the first time i've been back in uh, four years oh so, wow so you're a regular I, I visitor 2014 yeah, I mean, I came here as a kid. My dad was a drama teacher, so uh, he would every year take his students. He was a college drama teacher, so he would take his students on a, on a trip to London where they'd come here for, uh, like, 10 days and see, like, you know, 15 plays in 10 days, catching two a day sometimes, and just really immerse themselves in the London theater scene. So 
I got to come here as a kid and do that stuff and go to Stratford and, and, you know, get to do the RSC and all that stuff. So it was really great for me as a kid. And I, I love London. You know, London's a beautiful, beautiful city. I love it. Great. Well, thank you very much for coming on. Um, and the ninth oh, official Twin Peaks UK Festival is on uh, tomorrow on Sunday, isn't it? The London Irish Centre at Camden Square Gardens. And uh, yeah. you can go and meet Dana and lots of other cast come on members. Out. Yeah, come and get it. So <laughs> it's uh, Please come on out, everybody. It'll be fun. We'll, all, we'll talk about all things Twin Peaks. Great. Thank you very much for joining us. Hey, man, thank you. Really no problem at it. all. Thank you. Goodbye. All right, have a good one. Cheers. Bye. 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 <laughs> that was great. Bro, thank you. You did a really good job. Thank you. Uh, really good. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, I've not seen Twin Peaks. I, know. <laughs> I, I, I had absolutely nothing to add to that. But I, I listened to the whole thing. I thought it was really great. Well done. Uh, also, I talked about Star is Born. I think that's a good format, don't you think? Yeah. Chat at the beginning. Bit of a chat. And then either one of us has seen something, a review, and then an interview. Yeah. Yeah. We'll try we and do that every week. And probably talk about the stuff off, yeah. off air. Uh, well, here's a song. Uh, <laughs> bye. <laughs> Uh, we're we're doing another hour, uh, and we're back, and uh, uh, we're entering uh, the, the, second the second hour the second for the first hour. time. Second hour, the second leg, the yes. last leg, leg of, of the, the show. show. Thank uh, Speaking of, <laughs> we've got to make the connection, otherwise it doesn't. No, fuck it. I mean, I felt <laughs> I could feel my balls shrivel into my body as I was saying it, and <laughs> he just was not impressed with any of it. Can you hear? No, don't no. Yeah, we haven't. Can you still hear us when you haven't got your headphones? <laughs> right, good. Okay, good. Uh, so we're joined in the studio now by uh, uh, my friend and yours, <laughs> Mr. Josh, Josh Whittacombe. Hello, how Hello. are you? I'm very well, The reason how are I you? took off my headphones is they're really loud. Oh, they how are they? So I was hearing you too well. Well, I can hear you like, now, it's fine. Can yeah, you hear us without the headphones? Yeah, I can hear you without the headphones. We exist in real life. Totally yeah, not. but it feels like an actual conversation. And then when you put the headphones on, you realise it's radio. Yeah. You know, you present a radio Yeah, show. I know. I used to, I, I'd wear, the, I'd wear the, uh, the headphones for it. The cans? It just makes it feel like it's a real thing, It does, doesn't it? I'll put them back on. No, 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 there's too loud for you. Oh, uh, I thought, I thought, no, that's fine. No, it's, it's fine. It's bad. They've, okay. they've done something. Oh, no, it's still too loud. No, I don't want you to say that. That's Fuba. That's fan club. Um, what have I done? Turning the, the headphones down. It's a professional oh, operation, this, Josh. Are you used to working with such. I, uh, I'm, I've never been able to turn down headphones in my life, so I wouldn't I would worry about it. Yeah, that's um, perfect. I'm not worried. I don't need to apologise to Josh for our show. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit like uh, it's a little bit like someone's visited your house and uh, you weren't expecting them and you're just like uh, don't go in the bathroom I'm uh, just, uh, 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 just going to tidy up um, so yeah uh, I love you've chosen the bathroom as the, that's the most vivid room is it <laughs> someone came out someone came out of my house the other day and uh, uh, and uh, unannounced and uh, you just forget what sort of state I live on my own at the moment so you just I don't have anyone to impress I don't think anyone should be coming round unannounced. No, oh, at I, all. and going straight for the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> just absolutely not. Were they just calling in to use the bathroom? Was no, that it? no, they weren't. They were coming in to get drunk. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I wanted to make. I was on holiday the last week with my uh, parents mm -hmm. in Cumbria, Lovely. and I've got a thing there where all our relatives live there. No one locks their door, and they just walk in. And I find it makes me feel sick. Does the it? idea of just going, yeah. imagine if that was oh, your neighbors, house. Neighbours. 
No, like you just go into like your relative's house, but they've got the door open. So my mum and dad's walk into people's houses. Like in Coronation Street. Yeah, <laughs> it's very much <laughs> like that. But then, oh, is it really like that in Coronation Street? I don't know, it's a kind of myth, it's isn't like, it? Though? Because it's a bit like, I would imagine if it's on telly, it's a little bit like uh, not saying goodbye at the end of a phone call. Just like, it just, yeah. just, it just quickens everything up, doesn't or it? Or when they ask for a, a, a lager. I'll have a lager, please. <laughs> well, that, well, lager? That, well, that's different, isn't it? That's because you can't say brand names. Oh, sure, but it has but that, you kind of know brand it. Name, you can't, you can, anyone can do the knock. It's not like that's copyrighted. <laughs> it's just like, oh, they're using, they're using my knock. Um, but that would be like, you just end up with a, a soap opera with loads of scenes of people waiting on the doorstep going oh he's not in he's not in I'll give it another knock the thing with a knock is you could set up the character with their knock yeah it could be twat so yeah you could do anything you wanted I don't know if the knock actually uh, picked it, up it on the something on locking a door I remembered this week that so I grew up in Devon on Dartmoor of course you um, did of course I did um, wouldn't expect anything else. And um, <laughs> we didn't we didn't just not lock our house when we were in. We didn't lock it when we were out to the point where I don't think we had a key. <laughs> <laughs> we lived that much in the middle of nowhere. And it felt totally normal to me until last week someone mentioned something along those lines. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's like when I... And I was like, oh, that's mad. Yeah, I think maybe a lot of these houses up north are like that. Maybe we Can should I get... just say my parents have moved and they do now lock the house? <laughs> sure. For the best, but for the best. But maybe we should just plan like an outing. Yeah, if we can break in. north and see how much we can get. I'd imagine in Dartmoor, though, they're probably quite welcoming, wouldn't they? You'd probably... If you've got sort of parents that would go, they come in. Yeah, well, you just never see anyone, so you might as well invite anyone in. <laughs> my family are all from up north and uh, they always lock the doors, I'm sure. We're up north, though. Probably uh, some rough. Yeah, well, yeah, I say rough. up north. Where's uh, Where's Staffordshire? That's not like north north, that's is it? North, north Midlands, north Midlands, north, Midlands, yeah. north yeah. and then my dad's Yorkshire. Yeah, that's the north. Um, so, yeah, but they they uh, they did ring the dog. Uh, there was. Uh, oh, I've just had a memory. That's all right. It's gonna happen. I was at my I was at my, uh, I was at my grandparents' house one Christmas, and uh, uh, they rang on the door, and uh, there was charity collectors, and they live in a cul-de-sac. And there was this giant float that was going up this cul-de-sac with Santa Claus on it. And you just think, it's a dead end. How are you going to fucking turn that at the end? You've got to turn it around and come all the way around. There's a giant float with Santa Claus on it. And the, the, the elves rang on the doorbell with collection buckets. And we all, as a family, all <laughs> seven or eight of us all stuck our heads out the door. And we looked out and Santa Claus turned around and looked at us and went, having a do? <laughs> <laughs> uh, loved it. Yeah. Uh. Having a do? <laughs> yeah, we are. Thank you, Santa. Um, so, uh, what, are you, what are you working on at the moment, Josh? Uh, I'm writing a stand-up tour. Oh, really? Yeah, as of the, uh, last week. You didn't sound... Uh, you sounded... You saying that in a kind of worrying way. What? Well, I'm at the first stage. When's of the it. tour? Next autumn, so it's fine. So I've got it's a year. Okay, you've got a year to write it. But uh, Last Leg's back next week, so I've got one week to write it. <laughs> right. no, so I'm trying to write it because... Um, because yeah. you need to, because otherwise... Need to. Otherwise... Because <laughs> you're going to just have... It'd be disastrous. Because I imagine at uh, this stage in your career, y- your early previews are the worst previews that you've ever Awful. had in your life. Awful. Because everyone's coming to see Josh Widdicombe. Well, no, luckily I've been doing double headers with Alan Carr, so everyone's going to see Alan Carr, so it's <laughs> even worse. So I'm basically supporting Alan Carr, who's really brilliant. So I've, my confidence has already been knocked straight away. <laughs> I'm just about to wonder, what's, what do you reckon the level of goodwill is in, in terms of minutes? Five minutes. If you had no material and you went out and said, 
Oh, yeah. Oh. Um, well, I found that out earlier this week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, two minutes. I'd, I'm, I, funnily enough, I saw Alan Carr uh, uh, twice in one week, and mm. he was just doing new material. And this is where you go fucking out. It's absolutely impossible it's to be here. This was this is like uh, five years ago, and we yeah. for some, you know the toilets the uh, the. Where is it? The Gingling, is it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Shepherd's Bush. Bush. So they converted some public toilets into a gig. Yeah. yeah. So as good as it sounds. As you can tell. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, showbiz. And, um, and um, I, I, I was on with Anne Kai, and he did a gig, and uh, they kind of gave him free, free, five minutes grace period. And then after that, it was just kind of like, where's, where, where are the jokes? Mm. And then a week, maybe a week or maybe four or five days later, um, I was on the boat. The Tatshul yeah. Castle. Yeah, Tatshul Castle. The Technoboat converted it into a gig. You never do gigs in there. <laughs> a comedy <laughs> venue. I hate rooms. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, and uh, so I did this gig on the boat, and he was there, and he came up to me, and he said, uh, he goes, here, yeah, we've got to stop meeting up like this, haven't we? And then he went on stage, and he fucking smashed it with the same material from the week before. And he just, but he just rewritten it. He yeah. just tweaked it and worked out. And you just like go, he was fucking busy at the time, really hard working, you've you got to be. Yeah. And, um, but fucking hell, that was when I was just like, oh wow, this is like this is yeah. a different thing. Yeah, it's so good, and you just you realise the problem is with it. You realise like, you know, when we started comedy, and you think it's just. I remember people saying you just got to keep gigging, but it's yes. actually the bit between the gigs that I find where I need because you'd see people and they'd be doing. They're gigging every night. But you'd see them a year apart, and they're make, doing the same thing that's not working. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's kind of, um, that's the problem. I like the phrase. The problem with comedy is you get out what you put in, really. <laughs> I like the phrase, when we started comedy, because it almost suggests that it was just us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, we invented, <laughs> we invented comedy. Yeah. When we wrote the first joke. <laughs> um, yeah, that is true. Uh, some, I think you need, uh, I'm, I'm experiencing, I'm having a fallow, yeah. Well, you haven't gigged this year, have you? Or have you gigged once I've or something? Four times oh, at MacFest. Wow. I've got so much done. I tell you what, It's just though. amazing. I'm literally <laughs> just ticking off my dreams. I'm just like going, Dan, Dan, Dan. It's amazing. If I have a gig, I've got a gig coming up in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And uh, it's ruined the, the rest of my year. I'm, 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 that's all I can think about. Creativity is going, you know, ground to a standstill. I'm now like a rabbit in headlights just thinking, oh, my God, I've got to do a fucking gig. Uh, absolutely. It's so weird, isn't it, going forward to it. it. Do you know what? Because I, I gigged for eight years or nine years or whatever and then I had some time off I'd not I'd forgotten what it was like to have your evenings right so I've like got now used to having my evenings so it's now adapting back to not having my evenings <laughs> is and now it's it's difficult yeah well you're a dad now I'm a dad now yeah luckily the baby's asleep but I'm missing <laughs> the one bit of the day when I get to relax <laughs> sure oh yeah Oh yeah, so you don't. Yeah, it's all day then, isn't it? You're gonna have. Uh, I'm up at six, baby in the day. Then you and go then out. Put the baby to bed, <laughs> and then you're like, right, off to work. <laughs> off to unpaid work as I'm trying material out. Oh my god. Oh, worries me. It's good being busy though, right? Yeah, good being busy. And, and what stage are you at now? What do you What do you have? Uh, I have to get tech, to talk comedian to comedian. Yeah, I have yeah. Stuff that is. Good in a situation where they knew you know you're doing new material, but the moment you're thrust into a gig where you're on with people who are doing proper stuff, oh, yeah. you feel out of your depth. Mm. Does that make sense? So yeah. I've got a charity gig tonight, 
and I don't feel I'm gonna. If I do my new material, I'm going to be the worst person on the bill. Sure, right. but, just but if I went to new material now, I'd be one of the good people on yes, the bill. Yes, yeah. If sure. that makes but sense. You're just gonna have to suck it up and just do charity gigs to get to you know. Good charity will. gigs are just like if you if you're angry at a charity gig, you're a can. Not you. If the audience, if the audience get to a oh. charity gig, oh, it's yeah, just kind yeah. of like, oh right, yeah, yeah. We've yeah. had to put on a show so that you will donate money to charity. <laughs> yeah. That's how much of a cunt you are. It's not like it's ch- charity is kind of like, oh, do you know what? I'm going to give this because I believe in this cause. This is like, uh, I'm only doing it if I get two hours of top notch. <laughs> and if anything kind of falls below top notch, then I'm going to be fucking pissed off. <laughs> Tell you what, mate, you are shit tonight. <laughs> you are half as good as Jack D. And you go. Oh, Oh, right, well, okay. I think you've come into this with the wrong attitude. This doesn't sound much like a generic story. This feels like it's... it's I've done comic relief. Really <laughs> I've been slagged off by Piers Morgan. Um, fucking, yeah, what more do you want? Three hours of free telly, you can. Um, yeah, no. Um, it's, it also, I suppose, because before August we had loads of people coming on talking about their Edinburgh shows. Is it different... Um, I did. I wrote my tour in two weeks on stage. Mm. So I did Edinburgh Work in Progress last year. Uh, did two had two weeks booked, and at the beginning of the two weeks, I didn't have anything except for like notes, just yeah. like uh, oh, remember that anecdote. And by yeah. about half, your instinct for survival sort of kicks in about mm. halfway through the first week, going, "I hate dying." <laughs> <laughs> so, so then you go home and you go, "Right, what's this fucking show going to be?" That, so like, uh, I'm doing. Uh, my fourth fuckfest gig this year. Your fourth what, sorry? <laughs> fuck, fuck you need to explain gig. what it is. Are we just going past that? I do, I, do, I do a Christmas charity gig called Fuckfest. Right. right? And uh, and uh, this is the fourth one. So yeah. five years ago, I, did, uh, I was filming Uncle, and uh, we booked in a two-week run of Christmas shows at the Soho Theatre. Yes. Right? And what happened was uh, I had... Uncle was going to finish and then I'd have a week to write this Christmas show and then I'd do two weeks of Christmas yeah. shows, right? And it was Christmas shows. You go, this will be fun, right? It's going to be fun, <laughs> right? Um, what happened was Uncle overran filming by a week, right? So they extended by a week. So I had a weekend to write... <laughs> I. I remember you came on the XFM show the day after Uncle had finished. Oh right, yeah. and you looked like a ghost when you walked in. It was, the, it was like it was absolutely the, the um, like. It was my first TV show for that long, mm. and um, and you were in every scene or most of the weeks. scenes. Yeah, I was in every day. I had one half day off when we were filming, but I wasn't anticipating I'd be that tired. And so you'd have the weekend off. I think I had the Saturday off, and on the Sunday I wrote the show, did a preview in the <laughs> evening, and then on the Monday I did the two-week run. And fuck me, it was <laughs> the two-week run included Black Friday. Oh. It was like it was the worst fucking experience <laughs> I ever had to think because I would work my fucking bollocks off every fucking night to get it to a point where by the end of it it was like as good as like an Edinburgh yeah. show. But 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 three days in the third day was kind of like was the best it had gone, and then um, and I you know had like uh, mince pies spat out all over the floor and there was advocar everywhere <laughs> and it was just like, it was a fucking mess. And as the audience had left, I was on my hands and knees, sort of like cleaning up the stage at the end of the gig. Right? <laughs> and these two guys had waited around after the gig and they came up to me and they said, "Ah, oh, seeing you uh, off uh, off uh, eight out of ten cats. Uh, I, uh, me and my mate came to see you. Uh, you were." 
shit tonight and I'm like on my hands and knees <laughs> oh, and, man. and I was literally going that was the best it's ever gone <laughs> uh, so now I do this charity thing where it's just like it's for charity if you don't like yeah. it then fuck off and it's just you know, it's just literally comedians having a, but yeah it's difficult but um, you think but, yours will still come together in the last couple of weeks um, it's good. Wait, what? Because I've got such a long deadline, yeah. you think I'm not pushing it? Yeah, I've, I think that's the problem, isn't it? You can't. The longer you have, then the, yeah. le- the less you use it. That's what exactly I, the that's, work. That's, <laughs> uh, I use all of mine. So. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but uh, yeah. So what's, how do you f- find the difference between writing like an Edinburgh show and when's the last time you did like a full run at Edinburgh? Uh, Two thousand and. What year is 11, 12, 13? 13. 2013, wow, so it's five years. And You've done another big tour in between. I did a, one more after that that I didn't do in Edinburgh. Uh, so I finished that in 2016. So I've had I've, lit, I've had a year and a half off. No, two years. What year are we in? 2018. So 2018. <laughs> a year and a half about <laughs> off. So it's quite weird to go back. It is... It is it's, it's still the same thing I have where I just... I, you're looking to reach that time that you know is an adequate amount of time for the show to go. <laughs> yeah, sure. And you're like, once I reach that, I can relax. But yes, now, yeah, yeah. Now it's just like you, you think of something, you think that's going to be two minutes, and then that's that's going to tick <laughs> off another two minutes. Mm. I have, yeah. I do sums in my head as well. Like if I can come up with one minute a week for the oh, next yeah. year, sure, right? Yeah. But that's not a very, I mean, that's like how an accountant would write yeah. a show. I can't, um, I can't judge. I look at my notes on my hand and or on my, or my notepad or whatever just before I go on stage, and I'm just like, that is either three minutes or an hour and a half. But I've, got, <laughs> I've got no idea. I've got no idea. Um, yeah, it's, t- it's uh, right, oh, This is the first one I've written on um, computer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Computer. And do you know when they, you start and they say, you should listen back to your gigs? It's really helpful. Mm. I've recorded my gigs for 10 years. I listened to my, a gig for the first time the other day, and it was really helpful. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, I've, got, I've never actually listened to them oh, before. Really? I've hours always recorded and them. And gone, hours and hours yeah. and hours. I've had to get new phones because I've got so many <laughs> gigs saved. Yeah. I feel like I've done it so often, I'm now used to how awful my voice sounds. Yeah. I've got no, like, it almost feels like I should gain more shame about it. Because I yeah. feel like, yeah, I'm totally used to it. That's how I sound. <laughs> I feel, just enjoy a coffee yeah. and listening to yourself. I'm always des- like, uh, terrified that someone will, like, I'll pull the lead out and he'll keep, keep playing. And he goes, this guy listening to his own, his own show. <laughs> <laughs> Only thing worth listening to. <laughs> uh, I, was, oh. I wouldn't have written the stuff if I didn't think I was the best. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't the, I wouldn't have the confidence to perform this material if I didn't think it was the best. What's the point in looking to anyone else? That's how I feel about my music. (laughs) (laughs) Susie Ruffle said to me that I think she had it like it got saved onto iTunes or something and she had it on Shuffle Shuffle, Shuffle, and it came on while she had some around like in songs. It's either your own voice (laughs) it's either your own voice that uh, comes up on Shuffle or Cunt and the Gang. (laughs) 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 And then you're like No! Don't go in the bathroom pissed up on the iPlayer! Lovely stuff. Yeah. Um, so you've got last leg next week again. Next week we're back. And that runs for how many it's weeks? Christmas. Oh wow. We're doing a New Year's one as well, uh, which will be. Sounds absolutely haunted by it. <laughs> the New Year's one. I'm quite 
nervous about it's, how come what's what's it's two hours it's like a film yeah that's like this it's the first one we've done for two hours oh you know you know when they say in a marathon after about mile 21 you feel the burn <laughs> i reckon an hour and a half so you feel the burn well we're, we're an hour 19 into it josh and you I'm guys, you guys could throw to music we can't do that <laughs> no, well, we've got ads i suppose yeah you do have great but you can't do it at will oh, i think it's time for another ad break <laughs> <laughs> It'd be good if you could. Yeah, just I need to d- compare anecdotes. With <laughs> um, I need a piss. It's some ads. <laughs> it's good. It's but no, it'll be fun. I think uh, the last legs become like an iron horse, isn't it? Of Channel Four, it's like it's become like a big, a big huge show. It's never. It seems to rarely be off, right? Yeah, it's quite weird, isn't it? it I mean, it started as just a Paralympic thing. But yeah. It's, um, yeah, we'll do thirty a year. Wow. It's not but, like you have a series, though, is it? Is it? We do. Yeah, we do. We do have ten. They do them in blocks of ten, but it all kind of it's either on. I just or feel not. like it's just always. It's on. not like. Have you seen the new series? <laughs> the last day? Watch it. Like I'm, I'm only on series four at the minute, so don't tell me how it ends. <laughs> I suppose it's sort of like the closest we've got to something like the Tonight Show. Yeah, it feels like, like that now, right? It's become almost like a late night chat show. That's what you want. Like I tell you, what happens is you you. Because it's tiring to do, obviously. Right. It's like it's like a job. It's like a job. <laughs> so when you, when you get to the end of the ten weeks, you're like, oh, great, a rest. And then a funny news story happens, and you're like, I wish. Oh, you wish you were like, on. Like you know those two Russian guys. I know exactly how you claiming feel. I, the I, I used to do. Uh, I used to do news review, so I know exactly. <laughs> <how you> <laughs> <laughs> It comes up a lot here, doesn't it? News <laughs> review. You used to write. You didn't used to write news review. I wrote a few, me and my wrote brother wrote a few sketches for it. Yeah. Did, yeah, Is yeah, it still yeah. going? I've no idea, mate. <laughs> well, you got to you got to resubmit some stuff. No. <laughs> well, when the last leg's not on, I've got to. I need an outlet. But wait, so the story will come on about Russians. No, you know that those two Russian guys saying um, that oh, they yeah. were going on holiday to Salisbury. Yes. And you're just like. We've spent fucking six weeks talking about Brexit, and we, <laughs> this is a gift. Do you, know do you not what get I mean? to do? Uh, oh, so since you've last been on, yeah, we we've tried that before, and it just sounds like so stale. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. It, yeah like previously, uh, like, <laughs> it's when stand-ups come out and go, "Whoa, Christmas is coming in four months, <laughs> isn't it?" And, um, <laughs> and they do their jo- Christmas joke or something. And you go, uh, "Do you remember oh. it was Christmas five weeks yeah. ago?" <laughs> Uh, oh, Who's doing dry January four months ago? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. I don't think I have a problem with doing any of that. Well, I've got Christmas material, yeah. You've got to throw it in. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do it now. But I mean, like, it is interesting. Like, Do you think you can get away with it around the year, Christmas material? No, it feels too... It depends what it's... Mm. My my gigs that are coming up are Christmas gigs, so I guess we can we have see, your material? We will see. <laughs> we'll see how, how far I can go for the rest of next year doing Christmas stuff. <laughs> do you write Christmas material every year, or do you just? Like, I've, I've not written Christmas material specific for Christmas. I just ended up writing some stuff about Christmas. Every, I, I would have thought that everyone has a sort of Christmas set. I don't, I really. don't really. You just think that the fact that you're there is a gift enough. I <laughs> I wrote something last year about Movember and all those things, and that seemed to keep me going into into Christmas. Oh yeah, sure. Movember. Yeah, of course. So have you just got a few few pillars throughout the year? Movember, <laughs> bit on Valentine's Day, bit on May Day. Some, but that's that's almost the only time I've been holiday. able to get away with it. Actually, Normally, saying all this out loud, 
It seems um, unrealistic and uh, judgmental of an audience to expect you to tailor your material for specific times of the year. Oh, I don't usually. It's yeah. only when you happen to come up with something and then it just annoyed me because like, my stuff's not particularly clubby or anything and it suddenly felt like I'd just written something that felt like, well, this works. <laughs> and then I felt bad that I couldn't do it. But you, I could, could, do it for you like know a what month. you could do? You could do like, because you've got a bit on Movember. I reckon if you did a got a bit on charity stuff at the top. Yes, yeah, yes. Then you could just segue into the Movember stuff. I don't think anyone would go, whoa, 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 it's March, mate. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Charity stuff, why would you... You just cut the Movember material. No one. No, nah, it's sort well, of it's quite specific. Yeah, 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 but the only reason why the Movember material is good is because you do it around Movember and people think, bloody hell, he's just thought of that. Well, that's wrong. It's not good because it's like improv. It's like it's good because you go, oh, wow, they've just thought of that. Yeah. It's not good because they've written it down because if they had, it would be better. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wonder. I think you might be able to get away with it if you were talking about something else and they're like, well, like Movember. Oh. David Trent has a Movember joke Oh does he? Oh man I should compare notes Um, There can't be that much in it It's called No Fat That's his joke (laughs) (laughs) Seems inappropriate (laughs) doesn't it? (laughs) Do it on the radio (laughs) 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 Sorry mate I burnt that for you He, he sort of burnt, went down well though. Sort of, sort of <laughs> Two people laughed in the burnt, studio. Burnt, burnt it for himself, didn't he? He, uh, <laughs> he did it. You know, he did it in his last talk. It's good. Um, so, uh, should we play a song and then we'll, yeah, we'll do not? another thing? Um, this is going to be uh, what we're going to do now. Is we're going to play. Uh, let me just get ready. We're going to play your. Uh, this is. I love this. Let's <laughs> get the mouse out again. Get the mouse out. This is your favourite song, Josh. We're going to play it? your favourite song. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was just a choice. This is the song that you've chosen. Hello, we're back. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I got blisters on my fingers! I knew that was the one. Uh, hello, how you doing? Good. <laughs> Are we back? We're back. Helter Skelter by the Beatles. We're just discussing what an awful choice that was for radio. Yeah, I apologise. You never know when it's in end and when it's in. It's one of, it's, you can, when you listen to that song, you are listening to uh, the birth of heavy metal. Exactly, that's why I chose it. Do you know why I chose it? Why? Because... Uh, I, Big Manson I family fan? Because I know that you're a fan of the Beatles. Yeah. I know that you're a fan of heavy metal. This is true. So I thought it would be oh, the perfect a, choice for the show. Oh, what a lovely, nice. uh, thoughtful choice. How selfless as well. Well, no, I like it as well. Oh, right. <laughs> okay. So, okay. Good news, bad Yeah, I had to do a karaoke thing once. Uh, it was the Beatles or Rolling Stones songs uh, yeah. for charity. Yeah. <laughs> I think you can be as shit as you are. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was absolutely shit. I sang Oasis. Um, <laughs> I was. Uh, uh, it was yeah. So I sang that for that. I think oh, it's a good choice. It's really yes. Yeah, a lot of those Beatles ones for karaoke are a bit too kind of not bombastic enough. I don't think. Yes, I don't yeah. know, Eleanor Rigby. 
Cheer, yeah. cheer people up, but yeah. Cheer people up. <laughs> <Carry on. laughs> Seventh birthday party was. Oh, I um, can't bear things that when they have like earnest songs on karaoke things. Oh, you go, yeah. oh god. Ugh. What's your karaoke Ugh. song? I know. I sort of try and avoid it. Really, <clears throat> I'd yeah. probably do. I'd probably do something like the Candyman, <laughs> or uh, <laughs> something silly. Um, yeah, I think that's a good call. Yeah, I had. I had. A, I was doing karaoke once in a pub. And um, best place. And, uh, <laughs> and just before we went on, uh, we were going to do American Pie, right? Yeah. And just we, me and uh, and, my, and uh, two guys, uh, yeah. two two of my mates at uni. Can't remember who it was. Yeah. So it was like me and a, and a girl and a guy, and we, we went around all the all the student unions at the time. Uh, just to, <laughs> we were called two girls and a guy. Uh, two guys <laughs> and a girl. Um, no, we went. So Friday night, student union. We were going to do. Um, it was the pub around the corner from the studio, you know, we're going to do karaoke, and we get up uh, to the top of the karaoke, and just as we were about to do our song, American Pie, um, the, uh, the guy that was running the karaoke made an announcement, and he just said, I just want to say that one of the regulars that normally drank, drinks here, drank here every week for like, <laughs> the last ten years, uh, he died recently, and I uh, think we should all just have a minute silence. Oh, my word. Uh, we yeah, were yeah, stood yeah. up there going... Oh, <laughs> and, then just, oh. and then he stopped. He goes, "We're just going to have a minute silence." So everyone stopped and had a minute silence. And I just was just like, "We're going to sing American Pie. We're going to sing. This will be the day that I die." Right? <laughs> and I turned around to the guy that was running the karaoke. And I said, "I just don't think this song. <laughs> I don't think. That, <laughs> I don't think this song is appropriate." So I think that maybe we should pick another song. And he goes, all right, have uh, got any other songs? And the guy I was up there with, he said, how about Ghostbusters? <laughs> and the guy said, yep, because everyone requests Ghostbusters. So he just pressed play before we even had a chance to fucking like, question it. And then we're up there. Or maybe it was the other way around. Maybe it was Ghostbusters. And then we were singing American Pie. And we got to the bit where we're going, this will be the day that I die. That was how it went. And, uh, God, and not, only, funny, not only is he dead, but these guys even hate ghosts. <laughs> Fucking hell! It was just fucking. It was really mm, great stuff. Um, so, but your icon is uh, your favourite popular culture icon is Paul McCartney, right? I thought I'd choose Paul McCartney. Yes, I, I don't, because I don't have a definitive answer to that. Like, I, I suppose my favourite ever musician would be Damon Albarn or David Bowie. I am surprised that you didn't. I think Paul McCartney's a more interesting cultural icon than Damon yeah, Albarn. Yeah. I think Damon Albarn is um, a musician primarily, but I don't think Albarn would in any way kind of claim to have changed culture yes, in yeah, the yeah. way that Paul McCartney has. No, if not you know in what the I mean. way, but he has done his little fair share. Oh, he has done his fair share. He'd certainly be in my top three, but I chose Paul McCartney <laughs> because I think the impact of the Beatles was so huge. And I, I do think, like... Whenever I read about like 1963 to 1970 and the Beatles, I don't think there's. It just blows my mind oh, that absolutely. that time ab- actually happened. They really and did. And they lived through that, and they and everything changed that much in seven years. That's yes. The, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that's long. That's less time than yeah. I've been a stand-up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and I have, and you've had a similar. I've been, of <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm turning out the same old shit. <laughs> Like, do you so this next tour is your Sergeant Pepper, isn't it? That's, you know, that's <laughs> yeah, what they're saying. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I, I don't. That's so. The reason I've chosen Paul McCartney as well as I do think he gets a bad rep because he is in essence a man in his seventies, and people have a go at him for being uncool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't. Th- you know, obviously, I'm not saying John 
John, you don't know what John Lennon would be yeah, up who to. Would, who would know what he'd be up to now? But has Paul McCartney ever been cool? I don't think he has, has he? In the 60s, Paul McCartney yeah. was the more avant-garde yeah, yeah. As soon as the 60s ended, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and he wasn't the Beatles... <laughs> No, but of the Beatles, Paul McCartney was the one that moved them yeah. in an avant-garde direction. And he got, he got John sure, into sure, lots sure, of stuff, didn't he? Since the Beatles. <laughs> when it, you know, Wings. Well, yeah. no, I think that, like, that first, like, McCartney album, McCartney 2, they are quite kind of odd experimental albums, aren't they? They've yeah. got quite, well, like, I mean, temporary secretary I don't secretary know how often all. I sit down and listen to Paul McCartney's sure, solo I'm so, work. I've, I've got a very similar... I, I really like him, I think, and I've got a real soft spot for him. As and also just as someone who, my my thing about Paul McCartney is almost that Paul McCartney acts like he was never in the Beatles, <laughs> and that's the thing <laughs> I find like fascinating about him is that he just does that thing goes, hey, we're just a great little rock and roll band, yeah. and it's like, yeah, it was the Beatles, though. <laughs> it wasn't like, <laughs> it wasn't me, the guy and the other guy from karaoke. Yeah. It was the Beatles. Yeah, because yeah, well that's it. Which was you know, and he just I think he almost plays it down, and I think perhaps because. Paul McCartney doesn't have that perspective that mm. everyone else has. Yeah. Because to him, it's just the band he was in. I yeah. think there is a certain amount of the fact that he is playing down the Beatles because he has, you know, lived another 50 years on top of them. Yes. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, me, and, me and Trent, when, when we were on tour, were listening to the Bruce Dickinson autobiography. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, he, he talks for fucking, what... It's a, it's a long book, and he talks for about 19 chapters before he even mentions Iron Maiden. And when he does, he mentions it in passing, and he spends just as long talking about his solo career. Oh, and man. Goes, no. This is crazy. This is absolutely <laughs> insane. And I think, I think there is a certain amount of... Like, like, he's an egomaniac, and I'm not yeah. saying, saying Paul McCartney doesn't have an ego, but Bruce Dickinson needs medical attention. <laughs> but, um, but, uh, but, but See, I want to hear the book now. The book is fucking... I mean, David Trent you know, threatened to crash the car every time we put it on audio. <laughs> it, and we've got to a point when we've devoted so much of our lives to this point it would be a sin not to finish the book but and it is he reading it personally yeah he said oh, I mean it's absolutely astonishing it's like <laughs> um, uh, abs- no but it is it's absolutely astonishing and fucking hell uh, uh, but it's even better oh, oh man oh. it's Can't well t- worth Listening to Bruce Dickinson yes. read out his own autobiography. He doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't mention. Uh, he went. He, you know, there's, there's this whole portion of the book where he battles cancer, and uh, he must have. You know, had a lot of support. He goes through the entire book without mentioning his wife or kids <sighs> once. Right. Like he doesn't mention <laughs> anyone other than himself, and you just like go, wow. He mentions the other t- other. Pl- uh, uh, the other band members of Iron Maiden, as if they uh, were holding him back and as if they were a bunch, <laughs> bunch of clowns on stage and going, well, I wanted to do the splits, but those, these clowns got What's, in my way. Could I, I, not an expert on Iron Maiden, Me how, how did it end, Iron Maiden? Like, is it all... They're still around. So he's still in Iron Maiden? Yeah, but he's like a gun for hire. He, he considers it the fact that Iron Maiden were about. But he's still having to work with these people. He wasn't the original, <laughs> he wasn't the original singer. There was another singer, and mm. then he came along and saved Iron Maiden. Right. And so he can, but he's got his solo career, he's got his planes, he's got his, because uh, he's a pilot, and right. uh, he's, oh a, he's an Olympic standard fencer, he's all these things. I think in an autobiography of a famous person, I want, a maximum of six pages on the childhood. <laughs> like, I've got no interest in the oh, childhood. Yeah. And they might as well Get do famous. That. Get famous. Yeah, I yeah. want 
But I'm, am I wrong? Am I? No, the only I thing is, if you've done funny things like those, um, I really love Danny. Have you had Danny Baker's books? Where he's yeah, like, they're great because it's they're like great. stories yeah, about yeah. when he's a kid and funny things that happened when he's. And yeah. it, in fact, it became a sitcom, didn't it? Sure. But, yeah, but you, what you don't want is like. And my mum made the great lunchbox I used to have. <laughs> no, only say stuff when you've got something to say. Yeah, yeah. you got do your anecdotes, <laughs> do your anecdotes, and then get to <laughs> top, top ten anecdotes, and then you're famous. Yeah, uh, but yeah, Bruce Dickinson's is that. It's like navel gazing, and also yeah. like going into a war zone to do a gig, and he just talks to talks about it like he is in the military. Would you um, enjoy writing an autobiography? I don't I, know, but uh, what, you, what you said, Jack D's autobiography is really great. Uh, I've not read Jack D's. It's good. It's like uh, let's just say it's two hundred and fifty pages, and it takes about fifty pages for him to stop writing jokes, right? Right. And so it's like very kind of like gaggy, like set up punchline for mm. like the. First, I mean, and I, I imagine he wrote it in order. Yeah. So it's like you can feel him getting used to it for the first, and then the then the the rest of it is kind of like. Um, just really great. It's about uh, it's, it takes you all the way up to uh, him making it, and yeah. so you don't get any of the fame stuff. You don't get. Yeah. Any, oh, really? It takes him all the way up to the point where he's almost like decided to be a professional comedian. Um, do you think he'll do a sequel of? I think that it leaves it open for a sequel, but I yeah. mean, it's um, it's uh, it's really nice. It comes across as. Uh, it, it sort of like drops the persona of yeah. uh, being a comedian. Are you worried then, about when he gets on to Josh? <laughs> no, I was thinking, do you know, I was thinking that I just read Rome, I've just read Romesh's book. Oh, oh, yeah. Romesh has just done autobiography and I got it and I was reading it over the weekend. You read it all? Yes. Is it, oh, it's really good. How long? Um, it flies by. Sure. It's hardback, so does that mean it's more pages? About two, it's about two fifty pages. Got, uh, he sent a copy to my agent. It's great, and uh, I've got to pick it up later. Yeah, it's really good, <laughs> but um, I'm not looking forward to it really. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've just, I've, I've, I've just worked with him this year, and uh, do you not want to see if your name's in the back? <laughs> I've had a bit much. I don't think I have been mentioned. I don't think I will be. I would have made the book. It didn't get to that point. It didn't. It's Sean in it. Uh, yes, because he supports Sean on tour. Right, yeah. Because um, he said he had to ask permission about. He had to ask Sean whether he could use his name in the book. And <laughs> this was one of the conversations. Just had to, and, and then we were all like, going, "What about, what about us, Rom?" Permission granted, Robert. But that's great. It's such a good book, and it's really funny. And do you know what? It dwells on. Comedy books, you want them to dwell on bad gigs. Do you know oh, what I mean? Yeah. You don't want, and then I smashed it, and then I had this, and then it, you know, he's funny and self effacing. Guess There's that's nothing. me out of an autobiography. Fucking. No, I, I. It is annoying. Well, there's, there's a Steve Martin autobiography, mm. which is kind of like almost like a textbook as well as. Uh, an autobiography. Oh, that's a brilliant one, yeah. yeah. That's really born to Frank Skinner's up. is great. Frank Skinner's, Frank Skinner's great. first one is amazing, and then his second one is basically the, by the way, mate, you're in the book situation, isn't it? What do you mean? Well, his you mean it's when he's absolutely roasted in it. Who does? His assistant. Oh, his tour manager. His tour yeah, manager. Yes, yeah. yes. And, uh, yeah. That's a great book for someone who's going back uh, with no material, isn't it? That, yeah. that has all that's that stuff. That's amazing. Where, but the in that book one. where he talks about so he's on tour with his tour manager and they get into their hotel and he's like this, this is quite a small hotel room they've given me and then they go around <laughs> for like breakfast and the tour manager's like quite a big room and then he just <laughs> says we didn't look each other in the eyes as we walked past each other that <laughs> stuff in the hallway swapping rooms 
It's you? a really like, but Skinner's so honest. Like that first autobiography, really honest. Well, when oh, we yeah. all started out, there was kind of like I don't know when Born Sending Out came out, maybe two thousand and nine. No, like, it's about it was about when I started because I remember reading it. Was this the first? The one? Steve, Martin. Steve Martin. Oh, Steve Martin. One, but there was kind of like there was the first Frank Skinner book, there was the Steve Martin mm. book, and uh, I don't know another book. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, those were like the, those were the ones that every comedian no matter w- yeah. what standard yeah. would kind of like go well these are the ones I've got on my bookshelf yeah. Frank Skinner's is grim as well but it's also it's like so every funny. line of it is funny yeah, it's a, funny there's a bit that stayed with me forever oh, about, me what, is it the, about shaving his girlfriend's head <laughs> yeah. and he talks about shaving his girlfriend I know it's his wife his first wife and uh, she used to shave her head and he said he was shaving her head with a bick and he caught a mole. Oh, yeah. And he said, I don't know if you've ever peeled a potato. <laughs> and that has like stuck with me. So whenever I think of that book, that's the first image right, that comes sure. into my head. Frank Skinner is one of those people, I think, who does just drop the funniest kind of lines on things that you'll never hear again. They always yeah. think, oh, he's a, he's, he really is one of my favourites, I think, Frank Skinner. Great at analogies. Yes, yeah. When, if you, when he talks about, um, actually, I'm not going to talk about that. Um, <laughs> you don't want to burn Frank's material. Is that what? Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah, I don't yeah. know. Is this inappropriate yeah. to do? I don't know if it's still appropriate because mm. it was from the nineties. So let's move on. <laughs> uh, right, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> My favourite thing he ever said, which I'll fully attribute to Frank Skinner, was that he said, "I always find it weird that the Elephant Man." That's what called- I was going to say. Oh well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go on. He says, "I always find it weird that the Elephant Man is called the Elephant Man because he doesn't really look like an elephant." I think he should be called the Stem Ginger Man. <laughs> and I remember thinking, that's one of my favourite jokes. I think about it all the time. He's really good. And he just dropped it in a thing. And I remember also once seeing him, again, this is awful, but it's not like it's his, he just does it once on a TV yeah. thing, doesn't he? He was on They Think It's All Over, and there was a story that week about someone who brought their dad's ashes to a match. And they Ooh. weren't allowed to put it in the urn because... They said, oh, you can't scatter your ashes at the, uh, at the ground anymore. So a guy tried to smuggle it in, in like um, a Coke bottle. And he took it into his football match so he could like surreptitiously scatter these ashes. And he goes, and Frank's going to say, oh, that's awful, isn't it? It's coming to something where you can't take a bottle of pop to a match. <laughs> <laughs> Start with you for 20 years, that. Yes. <laughs> the thought Still that you watch, they think it's all over. <laughs> what really surprises me the most. <laughs> I think I would have watched anything. <laughs> <laughs> that Birmingham NEC gig that he did as well, mm. that, that was like a real kind of... Because I was, uh, I did a gig with him uh, uh, downstairs at the King's Head and it was my turn to go on. And just before I went on, they said, oh, we're just going to uh, bring on uh, Frank Skinner to do five minutes. So this is like, I just started. Yeah. We're just going to bring Frank Skinner out to do like five minutes of new material. And I was like, fuck. And there wasn't an ad, there wasn't an ad break. There wasn't an interval in between. Yeah. It was him and then me. And it was like a lineup of ten people as well. Yeah. And um, and so he went on, and didn't do great new material, and then I went on and smashed it. And I was just like, I'm better than Frank. <laughs> I was like four, <laughs> I was four gigs in, and I was just like, oh wow, I'm, I've learned it. I'm this is it. Him. And then I saw the material that he did on the Birmingham NEC gig, and it's one of my favourite routines uh, where he's um, uh, he's texted. Uh, a girl but she hasn't texted him back straight away and he's oh, yeah, gone yeah. on a flight of fancy about all of the things it could have been and the thing about that's amazing about that NEC gig is how intimate he makes it I think that when we started out and um, and I used to just watch as many stand-up gigs as possible uh, you kind of like you're trying to work out what the what the 
uh, secret is. Yeah. Uh, and I think maybe if I... Uh, there's that Lee Mack, uh, the green DVD that he did, mm -hmm. Lee Mack Live, where he's on stage for like the first you know, 10 minutes going, oh, you've got a hat. And then he does a bit of material about his hat. He goes, you're wearing glasses. And he's a bit... Yeah. And I'm just thinking, bloody hell, he's just doing all that. And then you go, hang on a minute, <laughs> every gig that he ever did, there was always someone with a hat and always someone with glasses. But like when you first start out, you go, that's like a magic trick. Yeah. And then yes. when you work out later, oh, there's always going to be someone with glasses at a gig. Um, but with the Frank Skinner thing, he kind of like he picks a guy on the front row, and then what is it? That's a ten thousand seater, is it? Fifteen thousand yeah, seater, know, yeah. it's huge. Yeah. And then so there's a guy, he picks a guy on the front row, and he picks a woman on the third row, and he just talks to them. Yeah. And then the whole gig goes from this huge arena yeah. into kind of like this intimate, it, almost like the size of the King's Head, where he's just having like yeah. a chat with these two people, and uh, you just think that's that is. Craft. I mean, uh, you can say a lot about him as a joke writer, and he's a great joke writer. But also, he had uh, he had the craft as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did a gig with you, Thanks Josh, that just remi <laughs> reminded me of. There was a new material gig that was one of Richard Sandlin's gigs, and uh, and it was one of those things where it was quite an all-star lineup. And I think it might might even have been Alan Carr was on, and it was all like he'd sort of pulled in lots of favors and lots of big big acts on and we were on Stuart Lee was on and it had just been everyone basically who was lineup. it was, no it, was it was quite odd but it was all quite big act. I think you might even have come from another gig and got there and when you got there you said oh who's been on so far and I was like listing them and it was all big names and then the because they'd all asked to go on early because yeah. they want to go home and it was me and you left and I remember, like, almost like flipping a coin to go. <laughs> I mean, who's gonna who's gonna do this? And uh, and I remember you saying, and it has ended up like it was me. I had to go on next. I'm like, oh god, I've got to go on. I'll follow these. And then I remember you saying to me, "Tell them, just go on and say I've just come from another gig. Anyone good been on?" <laughs> but it worked. It worked. Did it work? It worked. Yeah. Oh, Thank you very much. No worries. I've got no memory <laughs> of that gig. <laughs> it was no in that memory. pub. Riding House Street. What was that pub? Green Man? Oh, uh, yeah. It was yeah. in Green that. Green Man up there? That's like a fit 20 people. It was, it was. It was a mad gig. It was, yeah, it was. It was seemed, it a perfect movie? No, no. It was like, it was like a new material night. But oh. it, it like suddenly, it, it was like, oh, I think he only did it a couple of times. But it always seemed to be like massive names or sure. what felt like massive names at the time anyway anyway the point i was making <laughs> is that i think that paul mccartney hides his ego <laughs> a little bit more than bruce dickinson um what's your it got, won't help paul mccartney that we've spent two minutes on him and eight minutes yeah. on frank skinner <laughs> we've, got, <laughs> we've, got, um, we've got 11 minutes left could i show. change my oh, choice well. to frank skinner <laughs> um uh, so what is your favorite tv show coming up Growing up, so this is tough, particularly when you're dealing with Nathaniel, because there's like, there's so I was really into TV as a kid. Yeah, uh, it's not like not close. To, I'd say I think I'm not I'd, like you. Well, no, I'd say close to you. Like I've watched everything. Yeah, me um, too. I've chosen Gladiators because it had a real impact on me. In not like not as a human being, not, but, and that's why you're now a bodybuilder. <laughs> <laughs> a sort of impact like a giant cotton wool bag. <laughs> yeah. No, I just, I, in terms of being a fan of things as a child, I just remember like really, really being into it. Like 
appointment, appointment television, as they would say now. <laughs> I think that throughout maybe the 80s and the 90s, ITV absolutely smashed Saturday nights. Yeah, yeah. Like, they had Night Rider, A-Team, Baywatch, uh, Gladiators. Uh, and then they had all framed. Yes. Can I just add You Bet into you the... Bet. Oh, you Bet. Oh, Catchphrase. Catchphrase. I mean, fucking hell. ITV absolutely I'd smashed very it. Rarely, I'd watch... And that... I'd watch... On BBC, I'd watch Noel's House Party. I remember mm. watching that. But I'd... Big break. Big break. Isn't it astonishing that Big Break happened? <laughs> big break. That's no, a I quiz think... show about snooker hosted by... A, a, Jim no, Davidson. Jim Davidson. <laughs> <laughs> Beverly Hills 90210, Beverly told. Hills 912, new at 90210. Yeah, it was a, it was a, I think it was it's a, a golden glorious, age. It was a golden age for Saturday Night TV. And I remember, th- I vividly remember seeing the listings for Gladiators. And I thought, and it was like, uh, members of the public take on, you know, special bodybuilding athletes who are gladiators. And I remember Jets. thinking, that's going to be rubbish because they're going to get destroyed. And I, I watched the first episode, I was like, this is hooked. The, this is, <laughs> I bought the soundtrack cassette for gladiators, sure. <laughs> which had what was on it? Okay. Uh, The Power, which was Jets theme tune. Yes, like that. yes of course. Uh, oh. We were all in love with Jet, right? Yeah, I've met I've Real met, name? I met Jet last year, Diane Udall. Oh, yeah, <laughs> and she was she was lovely. She's a therapist now, isn't she? Uh, yes, yeah. yeah. Um, that's not how I met. Her. <laughs> 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 I wouldn't be able to go for therapy with Jet because because uh, too too many of my issues resolve around her. Although it sounds like one of those shows Alan Partridge would pitch. <laughs> yeah, therapy with Jet. <laughs> um, I loved. Uh, oh, what else was on the CD? Uh, the tape. Boys are back in town. Yeah. What's that for all of the guys when they I think up? they'd run out, yeah. yeah, 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 um, yeah. What was Wolf? Wild Thing? Wild Thing, yes. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, the theme tune, which was extended with more verses. Oh, right. I love see, I love an extra verse. Yeah. Did it have a theme tune? Did yeah. It? Can you feel the power of the gladiators? Yeah. Oh, wow. Can it you, was quite can good, you, though. Can you get that for... Uh, can you, can you find the song? <laughs> it's quite good. I watched it recently. Uh, it was on Challenge. Oh, yeah. And what you don't realise is how empty the Birmingham NEC was <laughs> and how tightly Birmingham cropped... Birmingham NEC, that's fan club. <laughs> how tightly cropped the uh, shots were of the crowd. So there'd be about <laughs> six people and they would cut to a wine. You're like, there's the loads of empty seats. Oh, right. Did people not go and see it filmed, then? Well, I think... I think people did, but it's 10,000 seats, you know. <laughs> yeah. They probably just say, just turn up if you want to. Watch yeah. Gladiators. But it might have been like season one when it hadn't really caught on. Yeah, maybe it was. Yeah. But I think you're going to struggle to get 10,000 seats. <laughs> but you still randomly in conversation get people saying, Gladiators, are you ready? Yeah. yeah, I mean, that catchphrase, I'd be interested to know, like, what has happened to John Anderson. In fact, I probably <laughs> wouldn't be interested to know. <laughs> um, but, like, it's... He's literally just a man defined by catchphrase. Yes, yeah, yeah. And uh, this is... I, so we had a couple of gladiators on the last leg for a sketch. And one of them told me... Uh, this is a bit of inside. Oh, also, go on. Uh, that probably... Sh- I'm sure it's fine because it's 20 years on. Uh, that if someone was l- winning by too much on the Eliminator, they'd speed up the travel <laughs> later. <sighs> wow. That is good gossip. Good goss? That's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> it, it absolutely isn't. <laughs> that's, that's, I mean, the gladiators were a bunch of cheating bullies. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is exactly the reason why I didn't sign up to compete. <laughs> <laughs> if they did a celebrity gladiators and offered you the chance, would you do it? Um, uh, no. I'd, I'd like to have a go in an atmosphere, but maybe in the... 
privacy of my Would you like home. it un- untelevised? Yeah. An untelevised. It's a bit like Total Wipeout. I'd love to have a go on that untelevised, but I'd never want to do <laughs> it, would it televised. Be, it, would be pointless. it would be pointless of me doing it. It's the exact reason why uh, they've got Danny John Jules to do Celebrity Come Dancing. <laughs> it's, uh, whatever it can, what's it called? Strictly Come Dancing? Strictly yeah. Because you go, you've got to have at least someone that's a competent dancer well, on I there. thought that was cheating, right? I just felt like... I think getting professional dancer. Yeah. Is Danny John Jules a professional dancer? Yeah, yes. like a dancer. Oh, no. It's like Debbie McGee last year. But it's just like, you go, yeah, but you can't just have all, you know, Sean Walsh's that are learning on the job, you know, you've got to have... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you watch it? Yeah, I thought it was excellent. I thought it did a great job. I I thought it was really funny. I've never never watched it before. My mum and dad took me out for dinner, no, for lunch, about three, and my mum was just like, "Um, your mate Sean's on, are you going to watch it? And I was like, "Um, yeah, all right. So she came back around to my flat and we watched it. I didn't know it was fucking two and a half hours oh, long. Oh, yeah, Jesus mate, God. it's like Gandhi. It's a fucking commitment. <laughs> it started at 6.15, and at like 7.30, I was like going, this has gone on for a while. <laughs> Little did I know, there was still another hour and a bit to go. Fucking, you think fucking fan clubs got long? Fucking hell. <laughs> Nothing prepares you for Strictly Come Dancing, but he did a really good job. I thought he was great. I think he'll go a few weeks. Did you watch it? No, I've never seen Strictly Come Dancing. You've never seen Strictly Come Dancing, but you're not even going to watch it because Sean's on. Oh, maybe. Oh, maybe. I'll see how, I'll see how far he gets give it yeah. a go it, it was, uh, it, I reckon he did a really good job I think he's got the potential and I to be an edge I thought fucking hell uh, imagine how fucking nervous you'd be <gasps> like the relief as well once you've finished the dance and gone like you, you know you go, you get so nervous you go deaf do you know what I mean yeah. the blood's pounding in your ears and then you go and like go oh and then you finish and you're just like everyone's going mental and so he, you watched you watched the rest of the show after he'd been on and he just had this huge fucking yeah. smile on his face the whole way through and but you just think he must also, be so you get criticised the moment you finish mm. so you've got to like readjust yourself yes but I think that you've got so much adrenaline at you at that point you're just like going <laughs> and like uh, all you can yeah. do is kind of laugh I suppose he was really funny with the judges which uh, is good I think he's going to do well mm. fingers so he'll crossed. be popular though won't he so it's, it's a public vote isn't it I think he's got Housewives' favourite written I think him, like, he's a stick absolutely, of rock. That's what I would be thinking. He's absolutely bringing sexy back. <laughs> he is absolutely <laughs> bringing sexy back. Um, right, we've got, we've got to play the game. Oh, no, hang on, what's your favourite film? Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind. Great. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. I mean, two hours, we've still run out of time. This is uh, Better or Worse, Josh. Yeah. Where we have what to do you s- think? Honestly, <laughs> she's just told me to do the game now after I've already announced the fucking game. <laughs> I've done a special sort of... 90s, except for so you have to. I'm going to give you a name, and you're going to have to say whether the next person is better or worse than the person before it. Lovely, Uh, and it's all 90s except for one from a different era. Watch out for it. Okay, we've got the music. Oh, shit, fuck, right, yes. Uh, (laughs) a few extra uh, swears there. Uh, Danny Baker is your first one. Oh, is Danny oh. Baker better or is Philippa Forrester better or worse than Danny Baker? Oh, I think she's probably worse. She is she's worse. worse. Yeah. Quite a high cut. No. Jane Middlemiss is Jane Middlemiss. She's worse than Philippa Forrester. She is worse Hang than on, Philippa Forrester. She was on the Ozone. She was on the Ozone with Jamie Thigston. But is Jamie, Jamie Thigston better or worse than Jane Middlemiss? Oh, that's tough, isn't it? Um, I think Jamie Thigston is. Better than Jane Riddlemiss. Yeah, let's say better. He yes, did yes. that pop thing that uh, Matt Lucas and. Yes, yes exactly. he did. He was yeah. really good on that. Um, Zoe Ball. Uh, Zoe Ball. Zoe Ball's brilliant. Yeah, better than Jamie Thixton. Yeah. Is Wendy Richard better or worse than Zoe Ball? Who's Wendy Richard? Pauline Fowler? Yeah. Oh, I prefer Zoe Ball, so she's okay. worse. Is Did Little. You not buy it's a high card. Yeah, 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 no, no, it is, it is, it yeah. is. Yeah, I that's love correct. Zoe Ball. 
is uh, Little Richard better or worse than Wendy Richards? <laughs> uh, I don't know much about Little Richard. Is he okay. the one that married a 13-year-old? No. <laughs> oh, then higher. Better. <laughs> yeah, he's better. He's better than Wendy Richard. Is Kate Winslet better or worse than Little Richard? Well, uh, yeah, better. She's in Eternal Sunshine. Oh, I'd say worse than Little oh. Richard. Kate Winslet is worse than Little Richard? Yeah. I'm just trying to remember who did... Little Richard! Um, is Mr Blobby better or worse than Kate Winslet? God. Kate Winslet's better than Mr Blobby. It sure is. Yeah. Is Neil Morrissey better card. or worse... It's a high card. It's a high card. <laughs> is Neil Morrissey better or worse than Mr Blobby? Well, I'm going to go better. Better, because, better. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Much better. Because he's a human being. That's it. Natalie, have you <laughs> got a it. score? Not just because he's a human being. Seven! <laughs> Seven! That's pretty, That's pretty good. It's pretty good. good. The highest you ever had is eight. Oh, oh yeah, you I really did really well. That. Done really well. Really well. That's Jane Middlemiss it, on there. Highlighted the person who wasn't going to be from the nineties, and to be honest, it caused more problems it than did. anyone else within it. I thought, I thought Little Richard was the biggest star of all of them. If no. I was honest, who did uh, Great Balls of Fire? Uh, Jerry Lee Lewis. Jerry Lee Lewis. So what's Little Richard's song? Uh, uh, Good Golly, Miss Molly. Good Golly, Miss Molly. Uh, and right. it, the, the, the soundtrack to the movie Predator. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking... Is that like, is that like Simon and Garfunkel doing <laughs> The Graduate? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, just, uh, thank you for coming in. Thank you very much for coming. Absolute pleasure. Lovely thank you to, to Dana you. Ashbrook I'm, earlier. I'm delighted to be the first two-hour... To our Welcome. guest. Welcome to uh, the clubhouse. Welcome to the clubhouse. We should, yes, we should do that. Tell your friends. If you enjoyed this podcast, please don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes.